0: Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on yes the game is always on right here at THS welcome to that hockey show ladies and gentlemen this Thursday November 11th 2021 week 5 episode 5 and a very happy veterans day to all of those who serve have served sacrificed families as well um Hey, if it wasn't for um, all our veterans out there all across the world, especially here in North America and Europe and stuff, we wouldn't be able to do this fun stuff that we get to do here, talk some hockey uh, on that hockey show. So welcome aboard, everybody. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS board, as always, in New York on Long Island. And as always, I'll be joined with my line mates, Mr. Joe Yurden up in Buffalo, and then Tab from Chicago, Tab Bamford. Lots going on in Chicago there with the, the changes there behind the bench. We'll get into that. And we'll go out west as we always do with Steve Palumbo. Talk about the Hot Kings and changes, obviously, behind the um, changes up front in the office there with uh, Bob Murray stepping down uh, for personal reasons. They're out in Anaheim. Lots to talk about this week. Um, Hockey Hall of Fame inductees, too. We're going to talk to the guys, too, about uh, the guys going in, the class going in, and kept, uh, get a couple of takes on. Uh, on their players and maybe the guys' memories and thoughts about uh, you know these guys playing careers going in there, and I'll uh, mention this here before we get into it in terms of who's going in and what we'll be talking about. Uh, but as always, we'll kick things off here. Three games last night in the NHL: Leafs three win- three nothing win there against the Flyers. Preds beat the Stars four to two, and the um, Wild beat up on the Yotes uh, five to two. Uh, the Yotes uh, kind of struggling as of late, unfortunately. For them, the Wild very hot. Uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit today with the guys as well, uh, as far as how they're playing uh, tops in the Central Division. There, um, twenty goals last four games, just really riding high, playing really good uh, for uh, Minnesota. Uh, Eleven games on the schedule tonight. All kinds of great stuff going on. It's never a dull moment on a Thursday night in terms of uh, you know who's lining up together. Edmonton into Boston here tonight. Always fun. you got to keep an eye on Edmonton as far as McDavid and the highlights and Drysaddle and all those guys there uh, playing for the Oilers. Calgary playing great on the Sutter. They're going into Montreal, which is obviously having their problems this season. The Kings really hot. I think going for their fifth, sixth win in a row tonight here against Ottawa. They'll probably get that. No disrespect to the Senators, uh, but they're flying high. Uh, Islanders uh, in New Jersey. Devils had a really fun win against the uh, uh, the Panthers the other night after the Rangers beat them up, too. But, uh, you know, the Panthers, just dangerous, putting up a lot of uh, shots on goal there in those two games. And uh Devils put up a seventh spot. We'll get into that, I'll have a little fun with Stevie here later uh, when he joins us. Uh, and, and speaking of the Panthers, they'll be playing Pittsburgh tonight in Pittsburgh. Uh, 10-2-1 for the Panthers. Obviously, big changes for them here in the last week or so with Quenville getting fired. Uh, and, um, you know, Duclair and that whole crew still playing well. Tough couple of losses, but it brings them down to earth a little bit, and uh, they'll get back at it uh, tonight against the Penguins. Uh, Ovi Watch, obviously, every week here now with uh, goals and points and all that stuff, and he's, he's hanging out there with uh, Drysaddle and McDavid as far as top of the league here, so uh, keep an eye on here on Ovi all season long um, into Detroit this evening with the Caps. Predators right back at it tonight against the Blues, like I said, right behind the the Wild there in the Central Division and um, you know that central division never disappoints. So that's a good matchup here for the Preds and St. Louis this evening. Sharks and the Jets going at it tonight. Sharks also playing pretty good. We'll get into the West Coast in depth here later on here with Steve. Uh, a lot going on there with the Kings, and obviously even the in, in the Ducks playing pretty good too. Um, you know I I, I joke that uh, that division maybe being a little dull and, and not too impressive, but man uh Edmonton Edmonton and Calgary a ton of fun to watch and and you know even the California teams here are playing pretty good here winning records and once uh Vegas gets healthy you know uh they'll be in the mix as well they'll be back in the mix and and you got to love just watching Seattle too you know new team they're 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 struggling a little bit but you know it's an expansion team but a lot of fun to watch Vancouver uh as well in that western division here looking for you know to turn things around for them uh against a, a Colorado team that just lost uh Uh, McKinnon too and those guys need points having a tough start here in Colorado we'll get into that as well with Steve he's covering the abs here for Hockey Buzz Uh, so talk a lot about that Minnesota and Vegas great game tonight obviously all the fun last week we'll get into that with Joe with uh, Eichel making a splash out in Vegas and showing up out there and Pulling the horn and all that stuff they do in the pregame show at Vegas. So he looks like he's going to be uh, fitting nice, nicely out in Vegas. I believe the surgery is tomorrow, so we wish him good luck. And, and the sooner Jack Eichel gets back on the ice, for all of us hockey fans to to see what he does the best, the better. And obviously, uh, Vegas would definitely um, use his help uh, down the road when they're getting close to uh, you know the playoff run here. But we don't talk about that. It's only November right now, right? Uh, and lastly, rounding out tonight's schedule, the Ducks. And the Kraken, like I said, the Ducks playing pretty well. Bob Murray resigning, uh, personal issues off ice here. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that with Tab and uh, and Steve, as far as uh, you know, uh, Bob Murray's connection with uh, the Hawks in the past, and and obviously um, Murray's position there with the Ducks uh, as GM stepping down there, and how that's going to affect. Uh, that organization um, looking real quick uh, here at the stats uh, dry saddle and McDavid still up top there at 23 points leading the league going into tonight Ovi there, right in the mix with him at 21 points as far as goals are concerned Ovi's up there with 11 and dry saddle right behind him with 10 goals uh, and the assist department it's all in Edmonton McDavid 14 uh, Ryan Nugent Hawkins with 14 assists and dry also with 13 helpers as well, uh, I'm going to start bringing up power play goals now going forward as I used to do in the past. And Chris Kreider on the Rangers got six. He Probably helped the Rangers out if you could score and even strength a little bit too as well. But he's got six uh, PPGs for him there. And McDavid behind Kreider with four power play goals. As far as in the nets, Freddie Anderson still kicking butt. Nine wins uh, leading the league there uh, for him. Uh, backstopping and uh, just the way things are going for him. As far as uh, playing in Carolina, and that team's just playing really well, too. So uh, good on him. And uh, Campbell there uh, with Toronto. He's got seven wins, too. The Leafs, like I said, playing okay there. Big win last night against Philly as they go into the weekend. And as far as shutouts are concerned, uh, Jacob Marchstrom there with four uh, shutouts in Calgary, which is great stuff. And uh, Ilya Sorokin there for the Icelanders, as I affectionately call them here, uh, being from Long Island, uh, with three shutouts there as well so again the king's hot and the wild uh you know firing it up uh last night the wild and king's going back into it tonight um good stuff for them as they play ottawa and uh you know the cats uh, were the last undefeated team there and, and the, the rangers and the devils um you know took care of business there which is kind of surprising uh and they're like i said mentioned before back at it tonight uh real quick as far as um the hockey hall of fame and we're going to get into it with the guys here too uh just some fantastic names going into it Um, You know, and this was uh, delayed and everything, obviously, with the pandemic and COVID over the last year and a half. But Lanny McDonald, one of my favorite players as a kid growing up, uh, Stanley Cup champ there uh, in Calgary. uh, Another former flame, Jerome McGinley, uh, another guy I grew up with uh, all those great years in in Calgary, never getting a ring, getting a little close here, moving around, uh, you know, Boston there, I think, uh, uh, towards the end of his career, uh, getting close, but uh, not getting the championship ring. But one of the best to ever lace up the skates in the NHL, Uh, Kevin Lowe. Great night for him the other night in Edmonton last week, uh, you know, McDavid scoring that incredible goal and coming ga- coming back against my Rangers and winning that game for him, him going in, obviously great years in Edmonton, six Cups, one with the Rangers here too, uh, just an all-around stud uh, of a player and a great guy, um, you know, off the ice and helping Edmonton now up in the front office for them and their organization, Marion Uh we'll get into this here with uh, Tab, obviously, uh, uh, you know, his success here with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Stanley Cups and... And uh, also Doug Wilson, you know, GM, uh, the Sharks there too, but uh, just a great player on the Hawks. um, Again, getting close. Unfortunately, uh, no championships for him, uh, but just an incredible um, defenseman in the league there in in the late 80s and 90s and stuff, and we'll get into that with uh, with Tab in depth. Ken Holland going in uh, as far as, uh, you know, uh, GM there and uh, front office administrative guy, uh, you know, GM of the Red Wings and all the success he had over the years too, so uh, a great class, and, and like I said, we'll get uh, into that with all the all the guys here um, coming up on THS. And as always, before we get started, just want to say thank you to all you guys uh, for tuning in, subscribing, listening. We appreciate your audience. It's great to see the numbers. Thank you guys so much for coming back every week uh, and tuning in and hanging out with me and the guys. Uh, we really appreciate it. And Costas um, will be back with us soon. So all you Montreal fans and. Our brothers up in the uh, great White north will get Costa back in the mix here uh, sooner than later. So um, let's get rolling here. Again, happy Veterans Day to everybody. And um, we appreciate everything that you guys have done, all the sacrifices, uh, all men and women uh, of all the uh, armed forces, uh, especially here, personal to us here in the States and obviously up in Canada as well. Well, all right, that's enough of me. It's time to head on up to the great city of Buffalo, where here, it's beautiful this time of year with the foliage, and bring it on,
1: my THS line, man,
0: right here in the face off, as always, Mr. Joe Yarden, of noted hockey fame, what's up, brother, welcome back to THS.
1: It's good to be back, Paulie, always nice to be back to talk to you, and uh, yeah, uh, Buffalo, it's it's kind of warm up here, it's weird, but like, all the leaves are coming off the trees, so, you know... what are we gonna do joe we don't know what to wear when we go outside anymore well i tell you what it's gonna be it's gonna get cold this weekend which i assume it just means it's gonna it's gonna get cold this weekend and stay cold until may so i'm i'm kind of prepared for that (laughs) to be the case but uh but yeah no like i look out my window and there's a there's a tree outside my window here that is that turns bright like red orange and yellow it's gorgeous and every like you wake up every day, throw the shades open and then like you're looking at the tree and you're like, wow, it's great. And now I look at the tree and I go, wow, there's a lot of leaves off of, off on it now. Uh Oh, <laughs> oh, I know what do that I, means. <laughs> do I have salt in the garage and is the shovel handy? <laughs> let me let me tell you, the uh, the salt, and the shovel are coming up from the basement soon. Uh, but usually I wait. to We wait. We, we wait to hear until the uh, there's actual snow and, and or ice in the forecast before we start doing that stuff. But uh, but here it could happen at a moment's notice because our, our good friend Lake Erie, the snowmaker, uh, it doesn't seem to freeze over as often now. So that's that's that always puts us under the gun every winter, because if it doesn't freeze over, you can get lake effect snow any old time when the winds decide to come across the lake. And uh, no, thanks. No, thanks. Please freeze the lake as soon as possible. Post pictures, buddy. So we because <laughs> it's about as close <laughs> just as so I so you can get. feel good about where you live. Right. <laughs> He's ain't there. <laughs> Forget that place. See why everybody hates Buffalo. Snow and bu- Is Joe okay? Is everybody okay up there? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Every time this Buffalo hits the news about snow, I get a call from my folks being like, we saw there was a lot of snow in Buffalo. You okay? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. There was a, there was that one storm we had back, was it, 2014, where it dumped like seven feet of snow like in South, like, south Towns. And like it happened on the day of uh, the, the Sabres were playing the Sharks that day and like you, you could stand outside the arena and see where the snow line was because it was about a mile it was about a mile away so the downtown part of buffalo missed getting buried for weeks by a few miles maybe and uh like there's a handful of guys like You know, Pat Coletta couldn't make it to the game because he was snowed in in, because he lives in the South Towns. And there was a couple of like there was an assistant coach, a couple of, you know, a couple of med staff people that couldn't get to the arena because they were snowed in and they still played the stinking game. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that may that may have also been the game where Artur's Urbe had to dress the emergency backup. It was either Archer's or the uh the man the myth the legend Ryan Vins up here uh as the emergency backup uh because I think Michael Doivert got hurt in a game. Weird. I know Michael Neuvert getting hurt yeah, in a game, but some great names you're uh, bring up. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you the
0: uh the it's funny. People Where did about had this. a good run, did you have a good run in Chicago there for a little bit?
1: Who's that? Neuvert. Neuvert. Uh he was he was okay in Philly. He was, you know, he got his start in Washington. He was okay there. I don't think he ever played in Chicago, though.
0: I can't remember. You know, I he had a good run there. Like, he he carried a team for a while. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I think it, it might have been the Flyers because I remember the second he got to Philly, he was like, they got him out of
0: Buffalo. I think he uh, screwed the Rangers up. It might have been that year when Torch was coaching them. And they, uh, remember, they lost in the last game of the season or something like that in a shootout or whatever the Which, hell it was. The
1: shootout game, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that might have been that year. No, no, wait. If that was fourteen, it couldn't have been that year because that was the year the, the the Rangers went to the Cup final.
0: Well, don't call me for hockey history information, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> <laughs> I am way off. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. But look, pal, are you ready to get going here, man? Let's yeah. do. Um, yeah, let's, let's let's we'll we'll start off with your sabres here up in Buffalo, and then we'll uh we'll uh talk a little Eichel here and his golden. Uh, Outfit he's wearing now out out, out west, and <laughs> the Sens are uh, not feeling too well. And uh, nope. we'll look at the, um, the Atlantic here and, and the two divisions here real quick. So, look, uh, since last we spoke, spoke? Since last <laughs> we oh, chatted, yeah. uh, your Sabres have lost three in a row. Uh, one overtime loss here to Detroit. And you have the Oilers and the Leafs, which are bringing quite a bit of power firepower into the Buffalo area this weekend. So, yes. uh, I don't know, buddy.
1: I uh, pull remember the blinds, how they
0: pull the blinds, and pull the covers over your head. <laughs> it might get
1: ugly. Yeah. Remember when they started five one and one and everybody's like, wow, yeah. sabers hot, hot, can't touch them. Sabers hot. <laughs> they're four. 0-4, four. They're four and one since then. <laughs> Damn. And it hasn't been really very pretty. Like there's some fluky losses in there. There's some crappy losses. But like, it's mostly been like, this is kind of what we expected. Maybe this, this a is a trade this... for a um, a center. um uh-huh. You know they could use one, <laughs> like a number one guy who's, yeah, who's really know, good, high
0: draft pick.
1: You know, might might have might have got some MVP MVP boats a couple of years ago. Like one of those guys, yeah, oh, wow. they, that might help.
0: All right, so how uh, are they doing,
1: buddy? What what are we going to do here in Buffalo? Uh, well, this, I mean, you, you basically said this is pretty much what we should expect. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. no, I I did, I did run around on my high horse there for a little bit when they were sitting on top of the division. I was like, yeah, you know, number one Buffalo. It's gonna be number one for a couple more weeks, and that's about it. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. They've, you know, they got twelve points, so like, you know, same as Boston. So eat that, Bruins. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like they're not the nine, nine back of Florida. <laughs> Florida, Florida's on fire, and uh, Toronto's now decided to shake off whatever was ailing them to start the year, so they've kind of waken up. Woke, waken up. Well, we can't talk English. Yeah, no,
0: part. it's it's you know, get it. We're getting old. It's...
1: But yeah, I'll say. My I, I feel you there, bud. Um it's not a knock on you, that's a knock on me. Um but like the uh but but with Buffalo, like you know, Craig Anderson's banged up now, so now they're running with Dustin Tokarski and Aaron Dell in goal. Aaron Who? Aaron yeah. Dell, yeah, exactly. who was with the Sharks before.
0: Aaron Dell, wasn't, wasn't
1: that a city and in... something out of uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that from Lord of the Rings? I don't it know. Game Maybe of Thrones, like, one of those. History or something, yeah. <laughs> something something from a book that, that one of us may or may not have read at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, Aaron Dell, who was... He the
0: Sabres are bringing in elves! Magic elves <laughs> <help
1: around>. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, that, that, you know what? Of all the things they've done in the past, that would be, that would at least be something new to, to bring to it. It's like, oh, these little guys, these really little guys out here, jeez, they nobody can touch them like they have magic too like what's going on with this um they're speaking a language we don't even know like what what the hell's going on um but they uh but they I, listen they you know Anderson being hurt stinks Victor Olson's Victor's Olson had a soft tissue injury that happened somewhere out on the west coast uh, last week two weeks ago and they were like ah it's day to day well it's been a week and a half two weeks cool neat <laughs> is he coming back soon I I don't know Whenever it feels better, great day to day injury that turns into a two week injury. Like, me, it's cool. Like, it's like Jack, Jack Eichel. Like, he hey, he's next. Like, what happened? I don't know. He'll be out for some kind of time. I don't know. Maybe like Matias Samuelson gets like he blocks a shot in preseason. They're like, that'll ah, be day to day. We'll post it days on later. Instagram. Maybe week to week. You know, uh, maybe it'll be a month. Like, he's just played his first game at Rochester uh, the other day, I think. So, like, you know, I don't know, man. Time gets skewed in Buffalo. I don't It's weird when, when it comes to injuries. Time just gets, gets very foggy. It gets very liquid where it's just like, I don't know what counts as time. Anyway, you just say every penalty or uh, every injury is day to day. And it's like, well, yeah, isn't everybody day to day? Like I, I could fall in a manhole tomorrow and then I'm day to day. But, but like that stuff happens in Buffalo and it's just like, man, maybe, maybe, maybe Jack had a good point about the medical team because if they keep telling him it's stuff is day to day and the guys are out for weeks, like, I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe, maybe they either, either the med team's bad, which I don't think is right, which I don't think is right, or they're really bad about lying to the press about how long injuries take. And I <laughs> got a feeling that might be the one. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll see. We'll see when these guys get back in there. Like Casey Middlestadt is, I don't know that he I, he might be skating again already, but he's not practicing. I don't even know if he's skating. He might be skating, but like his his thing's like an upper body, hand, wrist thing or whatever. Um, but he's not coming back all that soon. I don't think like, I mean, we're not talking months, but like mm-hmm. he's already been out a while, but, um, but yeah, him and Olsen being out stinks cause that hurts, you know, whatever they want to do with their top six. Cause those two guys are in their top six and they're kind of rolling with things, trying to figure things out. Like they're trying to get Rasmus Dahlin on track, which for every time he looks, he pulls like some kind of great move or does a great play he gets put on a poster by somebody who just dangles past him and lights it up. And then you're just kind of like, okay. All right, man. Tomash Hurdle did it to him out on the West coast. Tyler Bertuzzi did it to him the other night. Like my man, like let's, let's go forget. Like you gotta, you gotta have a really, you gotta have a goldfish memory for some of this stuff to just be like, you get poster. Yep. Yeah, forget it. Whatever. Next play. Let's go get him. Instead. It just, this stuff seems to linger with him and it hangs over him. So like, it, 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 like, you know, but the things they got to get figured out this year, Darlene's a uh, almost priority one, like him getting him back on track and getting Cousins into a place where he's really good to go. Those are probably the two most important things they got to do this season. And it's been a rough start for both of them. Like Cousins doesn't have a ton of points. He's playing on a line with Drake Kajula and Vinny Henestrosa. And Cousins is doing some good stuff with that line he's making some good moves. He's made some great passes that just die on these guys sticks. And it's like, okay, you know, you, there's only so much you can do without being a huge selfish prick on the ice and just being like, you know, screw you guys. I'm taking it myself. Like, let me just, uh, I'll take care of this. You guys just get in the way of some of these other guys. Let me do this. And you know, Dylan's not that player. He's not that kind of guy that's going to do that. But, uh, but boy, it'd be nice to see some of these guys handle a pass from him once in a while where he gives him an honest shot at the net or to, to start something up and just done? See ya. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's, it just hasn't worked the last few games. And I don't know, maybe that's just an encapsulation of, of how things have gone for him lately, where it's just, you know, you get a couple of bad goals against you and it's just like, well, that stinks. And you can't recover from it. Kind of the same old, same old Sabres kind of thing there. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't want to say it was expected, but it was kind of expected that things were going to take a dirt a downturn at some point. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, because the roster set up the way it is and Don Granado is the kind of coach he is, you don't really get too frustrated about it because you're just like, all right, well, he's going to, he's going to try something else out at some point and get it figured out and go from there. And you know what? Making the playoffs isn't the priority this year, (laughs) honestly, like that, that ain't the point of this season. This season's just trying to figure out like what guys are guys and what guys aren't guys and making sure that the guys you believe are guys can, can get better and we'll see how that goes the rest, of the, the rest of the season here. But, you know, listen, at least the thing everybody will be able to hold on to is at least they had that nice little start, and they can move on from there. And that's kind of kind of what's happened in the past. Just that in the past before, you you got tricked into thinking it was going to be something more because you had Eichel, you had Reinhardt, you had Ristolain, you had all these guys in there, and now you don't. You don't have any of those guys, and it's just a total youth movement. So you're just like, hey, nice start for those guys, good on you we know it's coming, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's kind of the way that, that, that is for Buffalo. So it's lowered expectations, which is fine, but they don't, they didn't need lofty expectations. They, you know, the bar was already laying on the ground for them to jump over. So, you know, they've already jumped over a couple of times with the start they've had, but, um, but there's, they're going to trip up a little bit more often than not.
0: All right, Joe. So with that said, um, you know, and talking about Granado and and basically where the team is at right now and where they pretty much got to go the rest of the way. Um, last four games, 19 goals against. So I got a couple of quick questions for you. Um, is there? Do you see um, after games, post-games, see anything as far as a new leader on the team? Uh, maybe which guy up front or in the back is maybe taking the mantle that's, you know, as far as, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I can't recall or know. You would know better as far as what kind of a spokesperson Eichel was. Uh, on the team as a captain as far as, you know, mm-hmm. post-game press conferences and everything else and, and what he was known to be uh, as a leader in the locker room. That's number one, who's the new leader on the team. Uh, number two, far as the, the team defensively and Granado pulling out of, the um, you know, the farm system um, in the past week, uh, whether it's non-injury related or not, do you, do you see him maybe um, – you know, open up the gateway to to kind of go back and forth, or is he just going to try and stick with, you know, as, is, he's going to run as long as he can until it's basically a necessary need, emergency need to bring up. And I guess the last question on the defensive side is uh, UPL, and that's Uka Pekka Um <laughs> I'm not aware of his health status right now, but if he is healthy and with Anderson mm-hmm. going down, do you see him getting a chance to come up? I mean, if this is kind of a season where, you know, we're looking towards the future here. Um, do you see him getting a chance to come up here and maybe get a few games in a row?
1: I think uh, in Luke case, it, if he comes up for a while, it's, it's going to be later in the year uh, because they really need to get him back on track at Rochester. His, his start to the season was pretty bad. Uh, his preseason was also pretty bad. So they need to get him. Uh, they need to get him right, you know, as far as like confidence wise and whatnot. Uh, but they also have to get him games like before this season, I think he had a total of I want to say as a professional, it was 29 games. And I, I think that was between Rochester and Buffalo. He had a total of 29 games. And maybe that included Cincinnati. I don't I I did this research months ago and I've already forgotten it. So good good on me for that. Well, one. I didn't mean to stop nice him, Joe, I didn't mean to... <laughs> but I, I will say this. They had a game What last night. I think they played last night in Rochester. He made 41 saves and a win. That's 41 out of 42 shots. He stops. That's 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 good Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what you like to see because some of these games numbers yeah right well (laughs) rochester defense and the rangers defense might be might be in the same might be in the same (laughs) level right there which that ain't good for the rangers but um but a little little more
0: inexpensive
1: though a little bit just (laughs) tiny i think adam adam fox making what like 10 times what the rochester americans make maybe i don't know uh as a team (laughs) but um Uh, but I, I think that kind of, that kind of game for Lukan is such, is a huge thing. And he, to me in the past, he's always been a guy that's done better. The more rubber he sees, you know, whenever I watched him play in Sudbury, Sudbury's defense was horrendous. Like that was, he played on a team that routinely gave up like 30 to 40 shots a game that he saw. And somehow he wasn't like top five in the in the OHL in, in most shots seen per game, which I was like, how is this? Pop? Who, who are these other teams getting Ouch. bombarded on every every game? But he uh, he thrives in that like he the more action seemed to really uh, seem to really move him and get it going. Uh, and I don't think that's the intention in Rochester. I don't think they want him to face 30 to 40 shots a night down there. But that kind of game from him the other night, real good. Like that's a real nice game. Now he's got to build on it. So he's got to go from there when it comes to cycling guys in and out. I don't really think Granada wants to have the bus going, going back and forth between gotcha. Rochester and Buffalo. He's, he's been slow to change up lines and pairs this season, which I think is good. Cause you want to, you want to give everything a fair shot. You want to see how everything works and you want to give it to like the, you know, until it, it doesn't work until you absolutely believe like this ain't going to work anymore. Like, It's so easy to just pull the trigger after like one or two games, just be like, ah, this thing, this ain't going to have it. Let's just jump to something else. That's something other coaches have been pretty quick to do in the past. And sometimes that's been to a detriment. But I I think in this case, letting things ride out and figure out what you got, not a bad idea. Uh, You know, he did that with Darlene and Will Butcher, uh, you know, two lefties playing together on defense and it started off okay. And then it got really awkward really fast because, you know, both guys were making mistakes. They were feeding mistakes to each other. They were feeding off of each other, making more mistakes. Like it just wasn't working. So now they've got Darlene with Mark Pesek, who Pesek was playing with Robert Hag before. And that that pairing, really good at home. They got really caved in on the road, though. So that, that's a matchup thing as far as that goes. But uh, seeing with Pesek, a lefty-righty thing, they want to get they want to make sure Daleen can stay on his strong side. Sometimes defensively on his weak side, he was getting, he was getting pantsed. Like he was, <laughs> it wasn't looking, it wasn't, it wasn't a very good experience there. So, uh, so I think that that's a good chance for them to improve it. But like they, they pulled Christian Wallainen off waivers, what, two, three weeks ago from, from LA he's played what one game, hmm. zero games like in that time. Like, I mean, he's, he's the extra defenseman, which I mean, Hey, that's the role, but, but Granado does not want to does not want to like upset anybody's apple cart by, by swapping them in and out and having guys sit and whatnot. So I get it. I understand it. Um, But I think as far as like bringing guys up and down constantly, I don't think they will. I don't think the organization wants to do that at all. I guess too,
0: Joe thinking now I'm listening to you talk about, I guess, you know, as a new coach too, sometimes you, I guess you got to give some breathing room right for yourself, right? If you're, if you're, if you're throwing guys in and out of the lineup unnecessarily, you never really get to get a good vibe or a feel on a particular player. I guess you—that's maybe not what I, I should have been thinking about. That too, that you know, you, you want to see what you got, and if you're in this developing stage in a franchise, um, I guess it absolutely does. It makes a ton of sense that you want to go with your guys as long as you can, so you can understand mm-hmm. their talent level and how they can fit into the team.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think that's what makes the the mindset when you watch this team a lot different than in the past, because in the past, there was so much pressure to get right, to get, you know, to get in competition, to get close to being a playoff team, to become a playoff team that as soon as something wasn't working, people were just like, got to change it. Got to change it now. Got to fix it. They, you know, this isn't working, you know, improve it, make it better. You don't have to worry about that now. Like that's, that is the least of their problems right now. So figure out what you've got and then kind of go with it from there. Because You need to know, like they they need to know. And like, there's certain guys that they absolutely need to know what their deal is. I mean, you got, you got other guys that are locked in that no matter what you already know what they're about, you know, what you're going to get from them and you you can use that to your advantage. You know, Gergensen and Pozo, the two, the two captains, the, the, you know, the two alternate captains on the team, you know what they're going to do. They're going to forecheck to death. They're going to hit people. They're going to play hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to work their bag off every game and they're going to be steady. Like you don't have to worry about them, you know, the 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 effort lagging. You don't have to worry about them not, you know, being on top of things. Like the only time they're ever not gonna be like on top of that, if they're not feeling themselves, is if they got a if they got a nick or an injury or something like that. Like that's that's the only time. And the, both of those guys, you know, they, they, there's been some injury stuff in the last couple of years, especially in Kyle's case. But um, but in this case, like, I don't know. I, I see that Line and like some people viewed it in the past as a punishment line. Like if you put somebody between them, you're just like, oh geez, well, they're only going to play seven minutes tonight. That's that Don ain't rolling the lines that way. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't been, you know, going hard on any one particular line. Like he's, he's spread out the minutes pretty well, which with this lineup, makes sense. Like you, you better have a full, a full regalia of people that can play minutes and play decently enough to, to kind of carry it because the pace they, they want to play at, You can't have one line play in 20 minutes a night because they're going to get rolled at some point because the third period, the wheels are going to fall off because they're going to be out of gas. So, you know, when you're looking to try to get things together, Sabres fans have got to kind of rewire their brains a little bit because just because of those playoff pressures in the past made you think they got to change it. They got to get wins now, you know, get those points, get it now. That ain't the stress this year. So let them figure it out. Let them see which guys they can get back on track and which guys are, are going to be able to help move them ahead.
0: And with that said, Joe, too, as like I was before, uh, as far as leadership up front and um, goal scoring being spread out a little bit. But our, our our pal Jeff Skinner has kind of dropped off the scoring sheet here a little bit.
1: Uh, I mean, you know what? He's been around the net, though. Like he's been he's been like it, it's better than he's been in the past few years, the past couple of years here, like which is, you know, it's kind of damning with faint praise. But I mean three goals three three assists right now like yeah, it's not great but six points puts him you know four back at wait, team leading scorer rasmus asplund by the way wait <laughs> he's crushing <which> it man he's <laughs> four goals six assists man like that's that's pretty wild and you know four goals second best on the team olson's got five and he's missed four games so i mean that's, that's that's that that makes that a tough loss but like you know thompson and Asplund have four Jurgensen's opposed when Skinner got three ever, you know, there's a handful of guys with two, like you got to spread the wealth there. Like that's, that's just how it's going to be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you want to see Skinner score more, but like no offense to everybody else on the team, but like, who's helping him do it? Like Skinner's got to kind of figure it out himself too. You know, like he's and he's put himself in those spots. He's put himself in the dangerous positions on the ice and, and been more of a pain in the butt on on the offensive side of things. And, It's not like he's not getting shots. He's got, he's leading the team in shots. Like he's leading the team of shots. He's, he's only shooting seven, you know, almost 8%, which is, you know, below his career normals again. But like chances are there. Like you you get mad. I'd be upset if he had three goals and only took like, you know, 15 shots. Like that would be like, okay, what's he doing? He ain't doing anything out there. He's doing plenty. (laughs) He's doing, he's doing plenty. And he's, you know, he's playing like, you know, 16, 17 minutes a game. Cool. like, that's what, like, you're getting the opportunities. He's playing on the power play, which is something that past coaches never like to do, never like to put him on the top power play, which I was, like, galaxy brain thinking. Like, okay, here's one of our most offensive players. Yeah, we don't need him on the power play, though. Like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. So, I mean, like, at least he's being used. He's extremely good phase.
0: at cheering from the bench during the
1: power play. <laughs> he's very good at chirping the other team yes. while your team's on the power play. Shouting instructions. Uh, yeah. Yes, and Back to you know the maybe. Point. Some-
0: Into the corner.
1: <laughs> some guy comes by and yells something. He says something with four letters, some word with four letters in it, and gets the other team all mad, and they all want to punch Jeff Skinner. Then he keeps yelling at him. It's great. Like Skinner's, Skinner's my favorite because he's so stinking. You, you see him in interviews, and you're just like, wow, he's the nicest, sweetest guy going. What a what a doll. And then you see him on the ice, and guys are trying to rip his face off, and he's just he's just yelling at him, screaming at him, like. You know, Brendan Lemieux a few years ago at the game the game of the garden where he's, he's like, I own you. Then whatever Skinner said back to him, they had to mute the mics immediately. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> whatever he said was probably not 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 friendly for TV. So like that's that's fine. But uh, but you know what? I mean, like, look, you know, Skinner, I guess you could say Skinner's been in training for for this kind of season. The last couple of years, considering they put him on the third and fourth lines the last two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now. Every line's kind of a third line with this team, which he's
0: getting, what? He's getting his guys time about 20 minutes a game. Yeah. So,
1: so, I mean, you know, listen, he'll it, come around, like, the, it goes in spurts for him, man. Like yeah. it's, you know, he'll score a bunch in a, in like a few games and then he'll go quiet for 10. It's yeah, just the way it goes. What? Like some goal scorers are like that. Joe, you know, in January we'll be staying.
0: It's still early. Still early in the season.
1: <laughs> it gets late early. Yeah. Right. See let me tell you, Buffalo, it gets late around uh the end of training camp, so it's uh you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Ah, they'll
0: be ready for that prime time outdoor game against uh, the Leafs.
1: Beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, yes. You going Actually, Actually, I liked it. What I would love to go. Let's Some go Gordon get Field, the creds, Hamilton, get up man, there. man, that'd be fun. Hitch a ride with
0: Krasinski cool. and Butchergrass just... and all those guys. Let's go. <laughs>
1: I'll Just hide in the luggage. You know, yeah. Six foot two me. I'll fold up really nice and. I'm and sure an EJ Radcliffe will
0: give you a lift. Come on.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, st- I'll stand at the border with my thumb out and be like, "Hey, <laughs> who's going to Hamilton? Take me, please. Let's go." I'll stand outside the field, like uh, that. That field, the, the place where they play that game is in the middle of a neighborhood. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. I no. probably haven't. No. Um, it's literally in the middle of a neighborhood in Hamilton. Like it's it's wild. Like the English like, soccer
0: fields over in your in. Uh... The except, it's stuff, a, right?
1: except it's a giant football stadium that's been renovated, and it's yellow and black, and it's it's impressive. Like, but like you look it's outside, it's like, the like in
0: Elizabeth, New Jersey, you know, at the MetLife right. Stadium in
1: the backyard. Right? You know, it's got, you got the Giants and the Jets in your backyard. Of course, you call the police when the Jets show up in your backyard. Just hey, get these guys out of here. They just keep stinking up the place. Yeah,
0: and it's not just the Jets
1: and the Giants. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. That's a good segue.
0: Yeah. All right. So speaking of stink, well. All right, so the Oilers and Leafs coming in, uh, you know, I'll, I'll cross do the sign of the cross here for the Sabers this weekend and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh it Could be ugly.
1: Yeah. It could um be ugly or real- <laughs> maybe they pull pull a rabbit out of their hat against the Leafs.
0: We'll see. Just hang in there and it should be fun. Um so Eichel's having a blast. Uh, you know, real quick, he's uh I guess he looks good in gold. I mean, he might as well lap it up. He's he's getting paid a lot of money, and he's got his surgery. I guess he's going into tomorrow or something like that, and yeah. again, just a waiting game. But uh, he's definitely uh, soaking it in mm. as far as the Vegas mm-hmm. lifestyle. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't uh, I,
1: listen. The, I, I uh, gotta imagine. too much while he's <laughs> out. <laughs> I gotta he's gotta get all the jello he can handle after surgery. I am sure. Um, <laughs> I gotta think the uh, the nightlife in Vegas is a little bit different than Buffalo. Just maybe. Tiny, tiny bit. Not as many wings. Lots more of everything else <laughs> to be had there. I, I love the video of them bringing them to the. Uh, I think it was like to the hotel in Vegas, and they had the drum line there. This thing, same thing cheesy. they did for like a little cheesy it's, Joe. It's cheesy as hell. Like they did it for. I think they did it for Patchett and for Stone uh when they acquired them. Was there a person into there? I didn't see. No, one. I don't
0: think there was. So it doesn't count to me.
1: Yeah, they had the mascot. They had a guy it's dressed up. Top in a, there. No, I didn't see. Well, Cap- I, see that I, I didn't see something. Celine Dion. Sieg I didn't Freudian see Roy there. <laughs> no, no Siberian tigers either. Like that's they, they're kind of half-assed. If I'm Jack, I'm asking for what a trade Celine now.
0: Celine Dion there. <laughs> get Spears. any of that?
1: Come God, on,
0: even Sammy Hagar's now got a residency there. Come on.
1: You got to hang out with the Red Rocket, right? Like that's oh, the Red Rocker, Red yeah. Rock, yeah. Rock, Red Rocker. Yeah, he's the best
0: man.
1: Get get some of the uh, get some of that Mas Tequila. Like that's yeah, that's the that's way to go. Stuff.
0: <laughs> all right, well, look, I hope uh, <laughs> Jack's Jack going to have plenty of time. A, a lot there, of it. He's going to drink a lot of it. Wish the best over there. Real quick before I let you go, um, Senators, eight players in COVID, man. It's it's crazy, you know, with uh, all of us trying to get back to normal here, and you kind of get spoiled in and out of just kind of, you know, getting on a run here, and every now and again you see uh, COVID uh, rearing its uh, ugly head here, man. But, um, you know, Chicago went through it. I mean, it's still happening.
1: Yeah. And it's, I think it's gotten to the point now where I think it was the St. Louis, St. Louis Louis blues had a big run of it too. And I think the blues were asking, started asking the question about the NHL. Like, Hey, should we still be doing stuff differently here? Like we got to, like, this is still kind of running around. And I mean, it's not like, it's always going to be out there, but like, it's not causing, you know, it's, You know, because everybody's vaccinated for the, you know, I, I, you know, I think it was only about three or four guys weren't vaccinated. So everybody's vaccinated, but like they're still, you know, still coming down with with very light versions of it. So that stinks. But like get everybody their friggin boosters already crying out loud. Like, (laughs) you know, like just buy a supply of boosters and just, you know, start giving everybody the shots on, you know, on the team to make sure you can get through the season without having more of this stuff happen
0: yeah no nah, it's um I mean all of us on the outside you know getting to pick and choose where and when we go, what kind of crowds mm-hmm. to gather and stuff I mean these guys are locker rooms, practices on the ice, breathing um so it's just bound to still happen it's it's still mm-hmm. around, and you know these teams losing that many players I mean it's uh it's still there, so organizations still have to deal with this, so we wish those guys the best in terms of getting back um last thing before I let you go, Joe um the hockey Hall of fame class that finally got to uh to go in here. Um, God, Lanny McDonald, one of my favorite guys growing up, uh, mm-hmm. Jerome McGinley, just world-class Kevin Lowe, Oilers Rangers, uh, and what a show the Oilers put on the other night against the Rangers, uh, when, the, um, great comeback when they were in town the other night, uh, Marion Hosa, uh, Doug Wilson, obviously, and then, um, Kenny Holland getting in, uh, you, you, I'll leave it to you, pick one or two guys you want to maybe hit on real quick.
1: I, I'm going to pick on Kevin Lowe. Because to me, of those Oilers teams through the '80s, and even the Rangers '94 team, which was essentially you know the the Oilers Redux, but um, he was always so good. Like Coffee got all the attention because he put up the points, and he was such a dynamic player with that crew. But Kevin Lowe was a steady Eddie man, and he he was still. It's not like he was like a, a defensive lunkhead out there. Like he was, he's was a damn good player. And I think I think what happens now is people get lost in his executive career with the Oilers and just think like, man, this guy's a huge loser. He doesn't, this team stinks under his watch. Who cares about that? Honestly, like go back and watch the way he played. Even with the Rangers, like he wasn't as good as he was in Edmonton with the Rangers, but he was still awfully freaking good. And well, when he you first
0: go- came, he, that he was a major impact on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, like anything oh, yeah. else, you know, towards the end of the career and you know, being a defenseman and, in the league at any time in your in your in your career, whatever age you are. But you know when Kevin mm-hmm. came here, and then you met you know the the teams back in the nineties and stuff. I mean, it was yeah. still tough back then.
1: Oh yeah, and and he was able to be a guy that was that could do, who could be strong defensively and could still score points and could still get stuff done and still be a a, a positive factor on the ice when you're you know when you're out there. I mean, Grant, it's easy when you play for the Gretzky, Messier Oilers to to look really good. Like those were. Those were superstar teams, but like, he was great outside of those teams too. Like, you know, he was still fantastic with, you know, with the Rangers. He was such an, and he was such an, uh, a strong force with that team. When I think about the influence he, you know, he had on guys like Sergei Zubov, you know, like Zubov was a kid when he started with the Rangers and then Kevin Lowe's there. Like what a guy to learn under, you know, to be, you know, to be a defenseman like that. They didn't play the same sort of game. They kinda did though. Mm-hmm. Like Zubov was a little bit more offensive, mm-hmm. but like Zubov was never a liability defensively, in my mind. Like I don't I don't I don't know if that's history, you know, putting a nice coat of paint on it, but like I don't ever remember being people hearing people say, whether it was Dallas or New York, people going, Oh, there's friggin' Zubovs out there. Okay, turnstile Zubov, Like that those are words you've never heard. No, yeah. Never right. heard those words. Like that dude was incredible. And Kevin Lowe, like having Kevin Lowe to be like one of your mentors, have, imagine being a kid and you got Kevin Lowe and Brian Leach as your mentors mm. <laughs> on defense. And then you get like, you know, you get, you get like a, a hard ass veteran, like Jeff Bookaboom in there too. Like you're learning the ropes from these guys. Holy shit, man. Like that's incredible. But like Lowe was just a man. He was just, he was just always, he was, he was like the, he was like the bar that set. like he, you know, that was he was like the speed limit guy. He's like, this is where you want to be. Like, if you can be a defenseman like Kevin Lowe, you're doing really, you're having a really good career.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Great words about him. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite all time players too. And you know, you, the thing you think about when you think of that Oilers franchise, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time guys like Anderson, McTavish. Low. I mean, it, it, you know, the joke, obviously, with the Oilers all coming over here and helping the Rangers win in 94. Look, I right. don't care. We, we got the Cup. It's probably the last one we're going to see for a while anyway. <laughs> but by the time they got to the Rangers, I always mm-hmm. marvel at, and, and I think everybody has to kind of take this in consideration every year, and like the the Tampa Bay Lightning over the list, is the miles that these guys put on their skates. So you mm-hmm. think of Kevin Lowe, Messier, Anderson, McTavish, all those guys, all the playoff runs, the deep runs into the playoffs, the Stanley Cup championships, all that stuff. And then by the time they get into the 90s there and then start, you know, heading off to other teams and everything else and so on and so forth. To still play at that kind of a level after putting just thousands of miles and especially Kevin Lowe, a defenseman like that. I mean, look what Paul Coffey did with Pittsburgh. I mean, you just you think about these guys, Bookaboom. Boom. It's unbelievable what they mm-hmm. did, I think you know that 's me. I look back and I marvel at that because yeah, um you know even like the t- teams that peter out and get tired a little bit you you have to mm-hmm. look at the roster where they 're at age wise and how deep have they gone in the playoffs the last few years, and um you just look at those teams and you look at those individual players. And, man, if they're still getting deep into the playoffs after playing a, a full, you know, 82-game season and then every round is seven games or six, seven games and you go longer and longer and longer, what do you get, a month and a half off and you're back on the yeah. station bike and you're getting ready for training camp, man? It's unbelievable.
1: Right. And here's, here's the crazy thing about Kevin Lowe's career. He, he spent 19 seasons in the NHL. He won he won five – or, sorry, six Stanley Cups. Six?
0: Yeah. The same as me. Six
1: yeah five yeah five with edmonton all, yep. with, all with messier yep and then the one with the rangers in 94 of his 19 seasons he's 18 of them he played in the playoffs his team's made the playoffs 18 out of 19 times like okay <laughs> there's franchises that'll never make the playoffs 18 times exactly. you know like exactly holy hell man like that's crazy and like dude had a like, it's, that's that's a crazy career to have and, and it you know, I know the knock will be like, well, you know, he, he hung around. He was a point collector. No, he wasn't. Like, he was not a point collector guy. He was not a points guy, for crying out loud. But, like. He lined
0: up against the best in the league.
1: The right. best lines. Yep. All the time. And just close <laughs> you your know? eyes
0: and start start listing names from those 19 years that Kevin Lowe played against.
1: Right. Just, and, you know, he only had to play against Gretzky for, like, what? Six, seven of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Gretzky was still incredible in those years. Like, okay. Okay. Like, fine. But, like, I mean, his, you know, the point holes were crazy. Who cares? Doesn't Who cares? Happen, Somebody on that team had to play some defense, and it was him. And he still played some offense. Imagine if you're a defenseman, you put up three years in a row, you're putting up 40 points, 35, 40 points in a row. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. Hey, and Leach doesn't get to be the guy,
0: uh, you know, that he ends up being without Lowe and without Bookaboom back there, too. Because they, they, those guys with the stability, so guys like Zubov and Leachy can go out and, and set up guys and put tons of points up on the board and, and, and goals, and obviously the, the success that they had. You mm-hmm. know, so there you go. All right, bro. Um, I always hate saying goodbye to you, but um, let everybody know when's the uh, next noted uh, hockey com coming out.
1: Noted hockey. Be, uh, the next edition will be coming out very soon, if not by the time this airs today on Thursday, it's certainly by Friday. But uh, working on a piece right now, so uh so yeah getting little, getting little it teaser? together
0: what, what are we what are we talking about
1: we're gonna be talking about how sometimes there's 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 a uh having routine is a good and a bad thing when it comes to the nhl and certainly in the sabers respect because okay. routine with the sabers it's a weird comfort when it means <laughs> the tide turns against the winds so yeah we're, we're digging into a little bit of that and and what it means to get uh, to to fall into that sort of trap, and it's kind of what I was going off a little bit about the Sabers before. So that was that was enough of a teaser, right there, Paul. <laughs> well, a guy who controls the red light behind the uh, Sabers goal
0: this weekend with Edmonton and Toronto coming in, he might have a busy routine, pal. We
1: can only cross our fingers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, John, you're yeah, the best, it... man. Have a great Thanks, weekend. Pauline. Yeah, you too, my man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay warm up
0: there, buddy. Enjoy the foliage. <laughs> Joe and everybody, as always, right here on THS. And THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the great city of Chicago and bring on our good friend, Mr. Tad Bamford. Tab, how are you today on this fine Veterans Day here in, in America, and obviously Remembrance Day up in Canada and across the world. How are you, pal?
2: Oh, I am, uh, it, is, it is cold, it is raining in Chicago, so uh, we are indoors, but uh, before we dig into some pup talk, uh, wanted to take a brief second as the grandson of a World War II veteran, uh, to shout out all those who are serving and uh, have served. Uh, if you listen to the, uh, the baseball chatter that Paulie and I do back in May, I had the great privilege and honor of being in San Diego uh, when one of my best friends uh, was sworn in as the commanding officer of the USS Annapolis Nuclear Submarine. Uh, so shout out, stick tap to James uh, as being uh, one of the young and the, the few and the brightest uh, in the United States Navy. Uh, I've got lots of friends uh, who I played college football with, who I grew up with, who i become friends with over the years, who either have served or are serving. Uh, sadly, one of my high school swim teammates lost his life in Afghanistan. Uh, and so thinking about Gunner's family today as well. Uh, but shout-out to everybody who has served and is serving currently so that we can sit around and talk about hockey and things of that nature. So uh, hope everybody has a, has a wonderful Veterans Day. If you have a long weekend, you enjoy it, but be mindful of those who are uh, putting it on the line so that we can be idiots and have a good time and enjoy the life that we have here in these fine United States.
0: Amen, Tab. Um, well said. And uh, yeah, it is uh, something to always, uh, you know. I, I perform obviously all year long, and we, we always stop uh, at our big shows, and we always try and remind everybody to to make sure they thank everybody who's um, who served, and, and obviously the families too. You know, you mentioned your friend there, and and obviously your buddy Hinau, who's uh, deep deep in the waters around the world somewhere. <laughs> Literally, uh, the separation from, from families is is huge. Um, I always lose it. When I see those uh, reunion videos, when the troops come back, surprise their loved ones and yep. stuff and the kids and everything, man. And it just gets me all the time. And I immediately go and hug my kids real quick. You know, they, you know, sometimes you get caught up in normal life where you go, uh, you know, I'm going away for a night to play a gig. Or um, I don't see you for a couple of days or something like that. These guys, six months to a year. And back when things yep. were really bad, um, you know, during the 90s and stuff and, and early 2000s, whatever, these guys were doing just uh, ridiculous return tours. And I think everybody needs to, to be reminded of that. And Veterans Day is one of those days of the year that um, definitely, well, exactly what you said, a second to everything too, is just remember how good we have it here in, in the States because of that.
2: Yep. And uh, I think that is why uh, I would submit that the finest tradition in the National Hockey League is the cheering during the anthem that happens before Blackhawks games begin. Uh which started back in the early 80s but uh, is still one of those things that you listen to guys that get traded to the Blackhawks, sign with the Blackhawks, and uh, their first time on the ice in Chicago. You know, I, I've talked to a couple opposing players in the last week, Jared Spurgeon, one of them, and talked to him about the best places to play on the road, and the first thing out of his mouth was Vegas because of the uh, show that they put on before the games, but he immediately transitioned to the first time he was on the ice for the anthem in Chicago, it gave him goosebumps, and it has every time since. So, and he's been uh, he's been in the division now for a decade. So, uh, crazy to think that Jared Spurgeon, the captain of the wild, has been around that long, but here we are.
0: I don't think- uh, oh, go ahead, finish your thought. There, no, take-
2: just, uh, and, and uh, that's been echoed by a lot of the folks when I chat with players and uh, ask them about the best barns on the road. A lot of them bring up, the anthem in chicago so and i was gonna uh, say one of the most famous
0: ones was uh i think desert storm uh, at chicago stadium
2: the The 91 all-star game which started just a couple days after actually wayne gretzky didn't even want that game to be played because of that um but yeah i mean that you go back and look at the roster for that game it was loaded with future hall of famers one of whom should be steve larmer um (laughs) and uh gotta work it in retire 28 Uh, (laughs) um But no, I mean, that, that game was loaded, uh, lots of emotion. You had Denny Savard coming back as a member of the Canadiens. Uh, but you had sparklers in the stands, signs, and it was deafening. And Wayne Messmers talked about how incredible that scene was. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we should uh, we should be mindful of that every time we see the flag, uh, that there are folks that are literally putting their lives on the line to make sure that we can talk about what we want and act the way that we do and for good or bad, uh, be able to say and think and do whatever we want. So, shout out to those who are doing it and have done it.
0: Absolutely. All right, pal. Speaking of those Chicago Blackhawks, eh, not much going on there, really. Two and three since the last we spoke. A couple of nice wins after hey, a loss hey, to Winnipeg. Two wins. Two and wins. Um, I, I heard um, you got a coaching change. Something that, uh, I don't know, you may or may not have been plugging for the last couple of uh,
2: years. (laughs) (laughs) Two and a half years. uh, Some of the players might have been wanting that too. Yeah, so since we last chatted, uh, the X has fallen in Chicago. Jeremy Carlton has been replaced. Uh, Wish him the best and uh, look forward to seeing improved play from the Blackhawks moving forward. Derek King, who was the head coach in Rockford, Chicago's AHL affiliate, took over at the helm. Uh, he's got the Breaking Bad thing going on. The clean-shaved look uh, takes himself uh, not nearly as seriously as Jeremy Calton did. He's been a breath of fresh air, and you've seen it on the ice. I mean, look—the first dozen games under Calton, the Blackhawks gave up 17 first-period goals and looked like crap out of the gate. And they haven't allowed a first-period goal in the two games since. In fact, Paul, the Blackhawks have not trailed in a game since Jeremy Carlton uh, was fired. Uh, so, you know, baby steps. I mean, we're not saying that the Blackhawks are going to turn into a juggernaut here, but I think that the, the fresh voice gives them an opportunity to, to flip the script. Uh, Derek King has said that he's not necessarily going to crazy overhaul all the systems immediately, but at the same time he wants the guys to play On instinct more, you heard that from Patrick Kane in his first comments after the coaching change, and that was something that you heard from other players like Duncan Keith over the last couple years that they felt more comfortable when they were able to kind of play free and and with instinct, and it seems like that was something that was handcuffed a little bit with Jeremy Colton calling the shots. So, so far, the returns on the move have been good. Uh, The Blackhawks have a long way to go. Obviously, they've dug themselves a hole but they're starting to get a little bit healthier. Henrik Borgström is out of, is off IR. Uh, looks like he'll be back soon. He, had, he was on COVID and then had an unrelated illness. It kept him out. Tyler Johnson's out of COVID protocol. Mike Alnuk, the young defenseman who looked good as a rookie last year, is out of COVID, or off of long-term injured reserve, rather, and he's getting a rehab stint down in Rockford right now, and he could push Eric Gustafson. Uh, worthless. I don't know why they signed him addition at the end of training camp. So you start getting guys like Tyler Johnson and Borgstrom back in the lineup, you know, who knew Dylan Strom's back in the lineup and he's actually playing pretty well. I think you were pushing him
0: to get back in the lineup too.
2: Yeah. And here we are, you know, Calton's gone. He gets back on the ice. He's making some things happen. So it's a long uphill climb, but you're seeing some movement in positive directions here from the Blackhawks. So, you know, We'll we'll see how things go. We've got two games of a sample size under Derrick King, and like I said, they haven't trailed yet. So we're going to take that as a big win so far. Nice overtime winner and then a shootout win. Uh, so, so far, the early returns on Derrick King's tenure as the head coach of the Blackhawks, which the interim GM, Kyle Davidson, has said Derrick King's going to get the rest of the year, and then they're going to do some larger Uh, You know, valuations undoubtedly starting with looking for a team president with uh, Stan Bowman gone from that role and the GM. But I think the biggest thing for me as someone who's looking in on this team is that Kyle Davidson, less than a week on the job, had the confidence from ownership that he could go to them and say, look, this isn't working. We got to do something. This dude's got to go. Um, which as an interim GM can't be the easiest thing in the world. I mean, we talked, they they switched the GMs, and you're like, well, maybe this buys the guy another week or two. Yeah. And it didn't even buy him him a full week, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's gone. So, uh, you know, high mark so far to Kyle Davidson for having uh, the confidence and earning the confidence from ownership to make that change. So far, it looks good. But again, long road to hoe here for the Blackhawks after a really brutal 12-game start to the season. But baby steps. And right now, with a two game win streak, they have the second longest winning streak in the central behind the minnesota wild
0: and tab, so, tab the other the other cool thing that I look at with Derek King here's a guy who played without Al Alba over his shoulder, yep okay, and um. You talk about what you talk about in terms of instinct, dynamic, and everything else. And Al Arbor coached those kinds of players. A great mix of uh, veteran skilled guys up front. You know, that's your Cameron yep. and Taze. And then obviously uh, an infusion of young guys coming into the lineup. And even the, the latter part of the dynasty days with LaFontaine coming in and, and guys like Derek King and all that stuff were kind of, um, you know, played under Al Arbor. And I don't care what anybody says. And I've had the... I've been blessed and lucky to uh, work with Butch Goring there uh, over the years, uh, years ago. And we interviewed uh, all of his teammates from the dynasty. I got to listen to these guys talk about uh, their experiences. And, and just Al Arbor, Al Arbor, Al Arbor. Look, his, his history and what he's done is obviously a, a major accomplishment. But you can pretty much guarantee that 99.9% of all the guys who played for Al Arbor um, have nothing but great things to say. Uh, they all had great careers. And uh, these guys now that have gone on to, to coach, um, you know, have had a lot of success. Either as assistant coach and stuff like that. And I think that's a, a great thing for here. Timing is everything too, Tab. And I know it's, it's two games, but two wins is better than two losses. And, you know, you, you, you talk in tandem with the GM here and everything else and, and all the, the major upheaval that's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks, stability, um, experience, and integrity. And I believe a guy like Derek King, uh, coming out of the uh, Al Arbor days, playing for him and learning from him and, and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it, this just might um, be a nice little um, start here for the Hawks to kind of, you know, go in a, in a direction they, they somewhat, you know, have been forced to go into with everything that's happened, which is not easy.
2: Yeah, and you heard from a couple of the players, uh, you know, they brought up his experience playing. And, you know, Jeremy Carlton's career was cut short by injury, but... That was not something that he had on his resume. And so I think that the respect factor when you've got a guy that comes in to played north of 800 games in the National Hockey League speaks a lot. And you're right. Al Arbor, you can play for you can't play for a guy that long and not have his style rub off on you. And if that's what the Hawks are getting uh, in Derek King, phenomenal. That's awesome. Um, you've seen other teams make coaching changes in season. Most recently, I think St. Louis, when they were in dead last, DOA, zero pulse at Christmas, and then won the Stanley Cup. Big, bold font here, I'm not predicting that the Blackhawks go win the Stanley Cup this year, but you've seen it. Ch- change in voice in the room is a big deal. And, you know, these weren't layup games. This wasn't like Arizona comes in and you know, they just roll over because that's all they've done all year. Yeah, Preds uh, the Preds came in, winners of four or five, mm-hmm. and the Blackhawks completely overwhelmed them in the third period. Uh, and then Pittsburgh came in, and yeah, Pittsburgh's banged up, but they're on paper they've been playing a heck of a lot better than the Blackhawks have been. And they put it on the Blackhawks in the third period. They outshot the Hawks 20-5 to five the other night. And Marc-Andre Fleury, who in his first game against the penguins with Chicago was pulled 11 minutes into the game in Pittsburgh. And he was pissed about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Played phenomenal hockey. Calvin DeHaan played his best game of the year. And you're seeing a lot of these veterans responding to it. And when you've got veteran leaders like Marc-Andre Fleury, Calvin DeHaan, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, responding to something like this, that trickles down to the younger guys, even a guy who's been in the league for a few years like Alex DeBrinkert when they see a little more energy from the guys that have been through the wars before it rubs off and it trickles down and you're absolutely seeing that right now in Chicago so um you know they've got they've got a couple uh, easier games there's no easy game in the NHL unless it's Arizona and they are coming up but the Blackhawks have a really nice spot right here where they can start to make a little headway uh, unfortunately In recently breaking news, uh, within the last couple hours, the NHL announced that the day after Thanksgiving, when the Blackhawks play the St. Louis Blues, they will not be nationally televised on ABC. Uh, The Thanksgiving showdown, uh, which will be nationally televised at 1 p.m. Eastern on the 26th of November, they announced a, a schedule change and the Rangers Bruins were moved into the marquee spot and the Blackhawks Blues were bumped to the mid-afternoon slot on ESPN Plus and Hulu, uh, which I would imagine the Hawks struggling probably played a role in that, but more likely the NHL didn't want to put the Chicago Blackhawks in that marquee slot with the inevitable conversations that would need to happen for a national audience that day. So uh, so a little bit of a schedule tweak uh, for those that are interested Obviously, you got some Rangers folks on your end. I've got plenty of Blackhawks folks on my end. Uh, So Bruins-Rangers will be the 1 p.m. Eastern game on ABC and ESPN Plus that day, the mid-afternoon game, which got bumped to ESPN Plus, and Hulu is the Blackhawks and Blues, and then the Nightcap uh, stayed the same, which uh, the Devils, uh, I think, are hosting that game. So a little bit of a change for the Hawks. The high-flying
0: Devils, Tab. 7-3 crushing the Panthers, baby unstoppable hey
2: hey look we've we've talked about it they're one of those teams that when they finish puberty look out
0: yeah (laughs) and get healthy too Mm -hmm. man so yeah i mean look um i'm actually surprised you didn't have your own press conference after colton was fired so i i
2: i I, I did have a nice glass of bourbon (laughs) or four um look with all the things
0: that you said here with all the things you said uh, to put maybe a little wrap on 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 DK here King and stuff and and, and moving on to some other news, but and they, you know he's got they've got after you know the Coyotes tomorrow they, they're going to have four days where he can run a couple of practices before they head out west to play Seattle and um, and Edmonton and then Vancouver and Calgary. I mean, you know that that's a good thing for a team here too as well to get on a road trip together, new coach, all this stuff and, and everything else. But in the two games, I know he's on the fly. I know Derek King's had some you know. You know the coaching experience, Robin, and everything else, but from a from a post game to immediate line changes or time on ice, um, you know the guys got to play the game. You talk about Flurry and these guys feeling good about themselves and, and it's particular plays and stuff. But is there something that he changed immediately as far as? What he's putting out in the ice, whether it's a power play unit, whether it's a shorthanded unit, whether it's uh, his, his defensive tandems, did he have enough time to really change anything that you can look at and go, wow, that that was pretty quick in two games that maybe helped them win the games or have those good third periods? Just just real quick in terms of anything really that stood out for you.
2: Well, I mean, you, you've seen Jonathan Taves playing with people who can actually score more frequently. Um, but again, you know, he's a little hamstrung right now because he's got a lot of guys that are still coming back from either the COVID list or injuries. Um, so getting Tyler Johnson back in the lineup will be huge because he gives him more depth down the middle. He's another guy that can score a little bit. Jujar Kiera was back with Taves the other night, and he set him up for a, a gorgeous goal, his first with the Blackhawks. Um, so I think you're going to start to see, again, with the four days off, I think you start you'll start to see a little bit more movement there, but – uh, but you do see Taves back with Kubelik, uh, which is good. Uh, I think Taves is still looking for his first goal of the year. A lot of people are making a big deal out of that. He's arguably the best faceoff guy in the entire National Hockey League right now. He's winning at about a 60 per, 61% clip. And he's taking 50% of the team's face-offs, which for a guy who, for medical reasons, was not with the team for more than a calendar year is, is a lot to consider uh, him putting that on his plate. So uh, I think you'll start to see as they get healthy, them start to make some maneuvers with who's skating with whom and and how that stuff works. But it'd be nice if they could avoid an overtime. Seth Jones went for north of 31 minutes against Pittsburgh. Wow. But as guys get more comfortable and as they ease in, you're going to start seeing guys play better too. And Seth Jones, we've talked about it since the start of the season. Those first couple games were pretty rough for Seth Jones. Mm Mm-hmm. But he, he, that Pittsburgh game, he played like a $9.5 million defenseman. Uh, he is really starting to show why the Blackhawks made the deal, why they locked him up long-term, why they gave him the King's ransom that they did. He started to look really, really good, scored his first goal with the Hawks. He, I think he's still the National Hockey League leader in assists for defensemen with 11. So, I mean, Seth Jones is playing at a 70-point pace right now through 14 games. Man. So... It's hard to argue with that, but as, again, the Blackhawks have got a couple guys, Kalnick, who they were hoping to get something from, and Seth Jones' brother Caleb, who still hasn't played this year, who they got from Edmonton in the Duncan Keith deal. They're still waiting to have a full, healthy roster as they anticipated having for opening night. So once we get there, I think you'll have a lot more options. You'll start to see some of the D pair settle in and get more comfortable, But uh, but so far... What you've seen is a team that's playing with more energy. They're starting better. Uh, They're playing better puck control offense. And I think it's because they're more relaxed and they're enjoying themselves. And that's huge. Because at at the end of the day, this is a game. It's a kid's game. Mm -hmm. That men are getting paid a boatload of money to play. And if you can't have fun doing it, you shouldn't be out there. And it did not look like the Blackhawks were having any fun at all with Jeremy Colton as the coach. And now, a little bit of an exhale, a little bit of a reset, and here we go. So... And remember this: this was they wasted twelve games, but now they've got the other uh, sixty-nine to make it up.
0: And they were pretty—they were pretty damn good team early in the season last year, and they did it without Taves, so you know
2: Taves and Doc.
0: That's true. Yeah, I mean, so hang hang on there a little bit, you know, and we'll see what happens. It's got to play out. Um, And look, the the more the more the, the. the team and the players here can focus on what's going on on the ice um, will help them out a little bit. And um, like I said, it's been a tough go here, obviously the last uh, month here in, in Chicago. Um, let's segue into with the Chicago connection here, the uh, uh, little overdue here because of obviously the pan- pandemic and COVID, but the, um, the hockey hall of fame class, Atlanta McDonald, uh, Joe McGinley and uh, Ken Holland and Kevin Lowe, and then obviously the uh, Chicago Canaries, Marion Hosa and Dougie Wilson uh, getting in. I'm going to get your take on that today. We're going to do a little uh, Hockey Hall of Fame talk here today uh, on THS. So you, you're familiar with a couple of these guys?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, look, first of all, uh, Jerome Gimla was a guy that I think lots of people in Chicago would have killed to have wearing mm-hmm. the Indian head because that dude was as fierce a competitor as there was um, you know, it's a damn shame that he wasted so much of his career on Calgary teams that weren't as competitive as you would have liked to have, them to have been because I think he played well enough that he should have received a lot more league-wide recognition than he necessarily did, especially outside of Western Canada. But he was just watching him play, he was a nightmare every single night. So as far as like opposing players go, Jerome McGinley was a guy that I always loved watching play so excited that he's going in and you're right there's there's a couple Chicago guys here one of whom was a big part of the three championships uh, in the last decade and then the other was on the team when I was growing up and the rosters that I fell in love with the Blackhawks watching so Marion Hossa uh, you know he was for my money the best two-way power forward of his generation if you talk about guys that had the puck on a string and it didn't matter what you did or who you were, you couldn't get it away from them. I think the only, the only guy that really controlled the puck with as much ridiculous confidence that Hossa did in the early 2000s was probably Pavel Datsuk. Um, and Ken Campbell, when he wrote about Marion Hossa's Hall of Fame candidacy, uh, for the hockey news, when Hossa got to the 1,000-point mark, he compared him to Steve Larmer, and he actually did it in a way that was more of a, is, is he really? Uh, I would, again, submit that that's just further cementing that Larmer should have been in 30 years ago, but that's neither here nor there. Marion Hossa was a beast. He uh, he was he, When he needed to be, he could take over a game offensively. He knew when he didn't need to be. Uh, the Blackhawks were able to win those three Stanley Cups in large part because Hossa was so good defensively. And at, after the 2010 Cup, you really saw Joel Quinville move Patrick Kane away from Jonathan Taves and, and put Hossa on that line. And I would submit that Hossa and Taves, and it didn't matter who, was probably the hardest offensively threatening line in the National Hockey League to play against because those two, if Marin Host had played center, he would probably, it, you, you'd have him up there with Bergeron mm-hmm. with just Selkie after Selkie. But unfortunately, wingers don't get enough love when it comes to Selkie voting. But he was as good defensively as it gets. Uh, he could take games over offensively. I mean, it was it, it, watching, there were nights that watching him with the puck was like watching a dad play basketball with first grade kids. <laughs> You know, like Good dribbling knowledge. over their heads, you know, putting it around his back and the kids are running into his knees. Like he, he looked like a, a, a grown man playing with children at times. And it was at the National Hockey League level. So Marion Hosa thrilled for him. Uh, you know, it's a shame that his career was cut short by physical stuff, but he certainly did enough to earn, you know, having a plaque up there in Toronto. If you haven't been to the Hall of Fame, go. It's gorgeous. It's it, one of the most unique settings that you can imagine, it's you know a 150-year-old bank building that sunk into this modern office and shopping structure. Uh, but really, it's an incredible place to go, and, and it'll be very deserving to see host up there as soon as he got on the belt. Doug Wilson took forever to get in, and it's kind of ridiculous to think that uh, one of the premier defensemen of the 1980s took as long as it did for him to get in Put a little context around it. Dougie Wilson, uh, you know, still to this day uh, is the all time leader in points for the Chicago Blackhawks from the blue line. He had 779 uh, just as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Second in franchise history is Duncan Keith at 625. Uh, He had 80 power play goals for the Blackhawks and 22 game winners. All of those are first among defenseman in the history of the blackhawks uh and only three defensemen played in more than his 938 games uh keith and seabrook obviously are one and two and then uh his partner on the blue line bob murray uh, finished his chicago tenure with a thousand eight but won the Norris trophy in 82 uh one of the best offensive seasons by a defenseman ever at 39 goals that you're about that a defenseman with 39 goals yeah which I think still is, is I think, that was, fourth. That was
0: a tough conference back then, man.
2: Fourth, I think that's still fourth most in a season by a defenseman in the history of the National Hockey League. I mean, he was just as good as it gets, and he carried the load. He was what, in the 80s, what Duncan Keith was uh, in the early 2000s. And so the fact that it took him as long to get in is criminal, and... Um, for those of us that enjoyed those Blackhawks teams of the '80s, that seemed like they were overwhelmed uh, from a perception uh, level by the Oilers of that era, and then obviously they had some incredible playoff showdowns with the Dino-led Minnesota North Stars, um, just as good as it gets. And hopefully, more of the Blackhawks, including Steve Larmer, will get their due, um, just because they didn't win a cup back then. Yeah, and uh, you know, sometimes you got to win for people to fully appreciate what your career was worth. And I think that that's the case with Marion Hosa. I think once he got to Chicago and got over the hump, you know, obviously there, there was a lot of, there were a lot of people that thought he was a mercenary when he signed with the Blackhawks. He got traded to Pittsburgh. They got to the cup final. They lost to Detroit. So he signs a one-year deal with Detroit. They lose to Pittsburgh. And then he comes to Chicago, gets to his third straight Stanley cup final. And that time he got over the hump. And he was the first person that Jonathan Taves handed that cup to in 2010 uh, when he received it from Gary Bettman. So uh, two longstanding Chicago Blackhawks uh, getting in. Uh, it'll be really special to see them both go in. And I'm thrilled for, for Doug Wilson because he was, a, again, he's a guy that I think when you look at the numbers, you're like, holy crap. He was he was incredible. And the fact that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, it was one of those things where people are like, Really? He's not in yet, but now they've, they've rectified that. So good on you, Dougie Wilson, current GM of the San Jose Sharks and good on you, Marion Hossa, who was one of the best to ever do it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know, I've I've always been a Hawks fan deep down. I've always, uh, you know, love the Indian head there too. And the colors and the great teams that played over the years. Um, you know, it's funny listening to you talk about, uh, Wilson here. And then, um, you know, those four years that uh, Keenan had the squad, you know, before coming here to New York and uh, getting close there when, with Belfour and, and um, you know, you think back about how the, the Western Conference itself back then was kind of transitioning, obviously, the big move with Gretzky going to L.A. and then, uh, you know, Mess kind of running the show there in Edmonton and, and the success that they had and... Um, you know, obviously Pittsburgh with Mario winning those couple of cups there in, a, in those couple of years and stuff, but
2: yeah, triggered by that, triggered by that, you know, and the luscious locks of Yager um, when when they came in and swept the Blackhawks uh, in the final. But yeah, I mean, you, when you look back from really 1980 to 95, yeah, you, you, you basically had three dynasties with a, with a few other. Cup winners rolled in, but you had the Islanders dominating the first half of the 80s, mm-hmm. and then the Oilers got over the hump, and, it, and they took over. And then you had Pittsburgh, which was just – I don't know how they were limited to, to two because it, Mario and Jager, you look at what they were doing back then, it was ridiculous. And that Hawks team that they beat in the Cup Final, I mean, that performance by Dirk Graham to go out and grab a hat trick when everybody else was ready for the golf course was amazing, <laughs> but – you had a young Jeremy Roenick out there. You had Chris Chelios in his prime. You had Belfour playing just next level, uh, ungodly goaltending, mm-hmm. just loaded from top to bottom. And but you know, Keenan got him as far as he could, and they ran into you know a steamroller and and couldn't get over the top. And then unfortunately, after that was when you started to see some of the. The chipping away that led to just, you know, a Zsa Zsa Gabor level list of divorces, whether, you know, Larmer left and went to the Rangers with Keenan and got a cup for the blue shirts. And then Ronick leaves, not the first time that they tried to trade him, which uh, if you believe the urban legends, which have been widely reported, the first deal that would have involved Jeremy Roenick leaving Chicago actually would have been for straight up for uh, Big Walt, Keith Kachuk. But somebody got to the yeah. owner of the Winnipeg Jets and said, he doesn't want to play in Canada, you'll never keep him. So they pulled out at the last minute and then moved to Arizona. And, you know, Jeremy Roenick's never been one to shy away from a suntan and a golf course, so that worked out perfectly. <laughs> and they ended up not getting Big Walt for him at that point. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was – you know, that was a, a, an incredible Blackhawks team that didn't get it done. And then they started to slowly break apart, uh, you know, ending with Chelios' infamous trade to Detroit in 98. So, yeah, wow. um, But, yeah, I mean, it, there, were, there were a lot of really good Blackhawks teams over the years that never got over the top. And uh, Dougie Wilson played on some of them. Dougie Wilson was, like I said, he was one of the premier defensemen of the 80s that didn't get his due because you had other guys like Mr. Bork in Boston who were stealing a lot of the headlines. And when you've got teams and superstars at your position, sometimes it can be hard to get the full recognition. I look at it now, and it's like nobody, everybody takes Nicholas Backstrom in Washington for granted because of Ovi.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I think Leon Dreisaitl, to an extent, gets taken for granted because all anybody wants to talk about is Connor McDavid. And you look around and you see some of these really special players that their generation was overwhelmed by certain people in certain places. And I think, again, was one of those guys that could have been taken for granted because, you know, some of the better years of his career were going up against the Blackhawks dynasty and some really good Detroit teams and some really good Pittsburgh teams. And he was never going to and really good L.A. Kings teams, too and just wasn't able to get over the top in the Western conference and get there. But again, was special. I'm glad that he's getting in early on. And I'm glad that Wilson's finally getting in because I think history remembers the winners. And sometimes there are guys who had a really damn good career on, on teams that didn't get there uh, that need to be recognized. And while Dougie Wilson is a prime example of that, and hopefully one last time, hopefully Dougie Wilson get getting in uh, cracks that door back open for Steve Larmer to get more consideration because, as I've as we've talked about and as I've written, there are uh, there are only three defensemen who are eligible for the Hall of Fame, or not defensemen, three right wingers who averaged a point per game for more than a thousand games who are not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and one of them is Steve Larmer. So, if you're if you have a vote, put 28 in there so maybe the Hawks will retire his number finally. 30 years too late.
0: Please, already.
2: So I can shut up about it.
0: Yeah, for God's sakes. All right, well, you know, uh, and speaking of uh, Wilson there and one of his uh, former teammates too, and and unfortunately some um, off-the-ice news here, uh, just kind of bring up Bob Murray here in in Anaheim and and having to uh, depart that franchise too. Uh, Why don't you talk about that here a a little bit? I mean, obviously, you know – bob and and unfortunately like i said the news uh, him having to uh, step down and he's got to straighten his life out here a little bit
2: yeah and, you know easy transition but a terrible one uh doug wilson's longtime partner in chicago as i said one of the three defensemen who put, appeared in a thousand games as a member of the blackhawks bob murray who ironically became one of doug wilson's rivals as a gm in the state of california um was uh, placed on leave and then ultimately resigned because of some complaints about workplace misconduct in in, uh, Anaheim. I'm wondering at what point they become the Los Angeles Ducks of Anaheim to be like the angels, but... uh, Please. (laughs) Give them them like a 12-letter name when you're trying to throw initials in there. Uh, No, I mean, I, I, I guess one of the things to go through my mind when I saw that news was that... This is absolutely a byproduct of what happened in Chicago. And if the Blackhawks scandal and the fallout from it leads to more open doors for individuals to feel that their voice will be heard and the ability to confidently step up and acknowledge workplace issues. Uh, in a safe space where there can be repercussions and accountability, then I think the game will be better for it at the National Hockey League level. As we've talked about, this is not something that is exclusive to the National Hockey League. Hockey has culture problems all the way to the core, all the way to the grassroots level, at the roots of the game that need to be dealt with. Um, but, you know, Bob Murray resigned. He acknowledged that he's putting himself into an assistance program to deal with alcohol, um, and it sounds like that was an environment that was not a lot of fun to work in, unfortunately. And so, we wish Bob Murray the best. Uh, we, you know, hope that he can get some counseling and get things straight in his personal life. Um, and we look forward to what the Ducks can do. Look, that's a young team that's got a lot of firepower coming. I think Bob Murray did a a nice job of putting some pieces in place for whomever comes in his wake in Anaheim to put something together. And you look at what Anaheim's doing next to the Kings, who look like they're unbeatable all of a sudden. And Southern California, we we joked last season about the state of California being terrible. And uh, the Sharks have some work to do with Doug Wilson at the helm, but what Bob Murray did with the Ducks and what they're doing in L.A. looks like they're on the up swing so um but again you know my my immediate takeaway was that these were circumstances that were facilitated by the league uh really putting a mandate on teams to open up windows open up doors uh, plug the phones back in and make sure that anything that was going on that should be dealt with is dealt with immediately not in a timely fashion immediately and in anaheim uh they dealt with it immediately. And Bob Murray uh, resigned in, in and is working on getting himself some help here. So, it's, But again, when you look at a guy like Bob Murray, more than 1,000 games in the National Hockey League, I think one of the other things to be mindful of is he goes into a rehab situation and Carey Price brought up that he's dealing with some substance abuse issues in his personal life as well, um, that there's a lot of stress that goes into these jobs and people deal with that in different ways. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think one of my other hopes coming out of the Blackhawks uh, situation is that uh, when there are issues they are dealt with, but also that individuals feel empowered to seek out help and that they actually get it. The league, the Players Association, and especially the Chicago Blackhawks failed Kyle Beach. And I hope that we never see that again, unfortunately. The cynic in me knows that we will see it again, but if we can start opening communication lines and show people, players, employees, staff, that their voices will be heard and they are valued, more issues will be dealt with immediately, nothing will get tucked under the rug like it has been, and we'll be able to have a much better league for it. So um, again, hoping that Bob can, can get his personal life sorted out, hoping that the Ducks can move forward in a very positive way uh, and emerge from this with that young group that they've got coming in uh, and take steps forward to being competitive again. And hopefully Anaheim isn't the last place that we see this take place, because certainly there are going to be other folks out there that have been running their... Uh, whether it be a front office, a player development group, a marketing team, whatever, they've been running it in a way that's not healthy, it's not a safe or pleasant work environment, and we're able to see this really improve the way that these organizations are run in a, so that we see a better product because the fans deserve that, the players deserve that, and anyone associated with the game deserves that. Um, and again, this this goes all the way to the roots of the game, we got more issues in sports illustrated and hockey that we need to deal with, but, uh, hopefully again, Anaheim's not the last, uh, but certainly they're the first that have seen some level of blowback, uh, and needed to make immediate change after the Chicago Blackhawks scandal took place and was brought to the public light.
0: Yeah, no, uh, no doubt about it. Good stuff there, Tab. And again, we miss, uh, Bob Murray the best there moving forward and, Acknowledging the problem and, and taking care of it right away is, is the best route to go for um, anyone in their life and us obviously here in, uh, with this organization here too. And and the last thing before I let you go here, Tab, is uh, swinging over to uh, a team you wanted to talk about here a little bit today is that's the Minnesota Wild Obviously, um, you know, there's some stuff going on there as far as Bill Guerin, GM. Um, a little controversy going on as far as he's got a, a domestic violence case going on, something going on. I'm not... I think you know more than me as far as uh, where that's at, but Dean Evanson and the team on the ice. Um, maybe you know uh, Carolina and Florida, obviously getting a lot of uh, the talk lately, being undefeated here for you know for you know up until this past week, obviously until they just recently lost here, but getting a lot of the headlines in terms of how good they were playing. But uh, nine and three, man, twenty goals in the last uh, four games. Um, Cam Talbot and and the you know I guess the Wild have the better Capo right now Capo cacking in there in goal, um, you know Ta- Talbot seven and two playing really well here exciting fun team on the ice and uh, up to uh, you know leading the division there as far as the Central is concerned just uh hop skip and jump uh, ahead of the Blues but uh, yeah, I know you want to talk about the Wild so take it away man,
2: yeah look I mean I think a lot of people when we started this season and looked at the division Colorado was just assumed to be the team that everyone would chase. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Now it looks like McKinnon's going to miss a few weeks. They've struggled to put it together. Um, I think they're missing Philip Grubauer more than they want to admit. Uh, And then you look at St. Louis being a really good team. Winnipeg put together pretty well. And then it was kind of a hodgepodge. What do we make of Minnesota? What do we think about Nashville? What are we doing in Dallas? uh a lot of people thought you know the Blackhawks with what they did were a team that kind of in that three to five range had had a fighter's chance and you know again they they probably still do but they've dug themselves a bit of a hole here but when you look at what Minnesota's doing they're four and one at home they're five two and oh on the road they have uh they are tied with Edmonton though Edmonton has a game in hand for the Western Conference lead with eight regulation wins already um they've handled their business uh, and they've got the third longest winning streak in the Western conference behind Anaheim and LA. As I just mentioned, Southern California is really getting their act together and and looking like they're playing pretty well right now. But Minnesota, I think a lot of people scratched their head before this season. And again, you know, I, I had a chat with Jared Spurgeon for an upcoming article in the fourth period magazine last week about what's going on up there. And, as the captain, one of the things that I asked him about was what was what was the deal with the the roster and how did you guys, I mean, you all came in with still having COVID restrictions and the two guys that were the A last year, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, are gone. And it wasn't that they were traded and brought assets back or that their contracts expired. They were punted to the curb. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, if, if you go back and read it, Parise found out that he was getting bought out and called Suter, and Suter was like, oh, man, that sucks. I feel bad for you. Sorry. And then Suter got the call, and he was pissed. Um, those, are, those are guys that have been leaders wherever they've been. Suter was a leader in Nashville before uh, he signed that lifetime contract, effectively, in Minnesota. Parise, leader who took the Devils to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, these are guys that were still functional players that they just said, thanks, but no thanks. We're, we're going young. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people looked at that, and that was a bold statement. And how are you going to respond from that? And then they give the bag to <laughs> Kaprasov. I feel like, man, after one season, you're going to throw that kind of bread at a kid? It's a, it's a strong move. Uh, but you're right. Like, look, after, after getting it handed to him in Denver – Five goals a night, yep, for their last four, and and you know they're in Vegas uh, tonight against a, a Golden Knights team that's pretty banged up, yep. And with the guys that are missing out of that lineup, I don't think it's crazy to think that five is out of the question again tonight. Uh, you know, if they put five on the Islanders, uh, you know, five against the Coyotes, you know, I, I think honestly at this point I'd pay to watch the University of Michigan beat the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> because they've got more top 10 picks that are worth their weight in anything than Arizona does. Four Yotes. I mean, so I just want to take a quick second here at the end of chatting about a lot of stuff going on. They'd throw some flowers at the Minnesota Wild because, I mean, you, you look at their lineup and Kapersov leads the team with 10 points, but they, they've grabbed guys from other situations and made them into the players that people thought that they were supposed to be. Their leading goal scorer is Ryan Hartman, who was a first round pick of the Blackhawks, who they unceremoniously dumped. Uh, you know, Marcus Felino's having a really nice year. Matt Zuccarello, having a really nice season. Um, Joel Erickson Eck, I think one of the guys that a lot of people sleep on. He is a stud. Uh, Kevin Fiala is off to a really nice start. So, And then you look at like Goligoski having a really nice year, Kulikov having a really nice year. John Merrill, another castaway uh, University of Michigan uh, alum, who, who's off to a nice start. So, you know, they, they've kind of, you know, masking taped some things together from the outside. And people are like, how the hell is this thing going to work? And they've got really strong leadership with Spurgeon wearing the sea. And everybody's kind of falling in line. Matt Dumba's having a, a really good year as well. and. That lineup is spreading it out really well. I mean, you look down the roster, and it's like two-thirds of the team's got at least five points already, Um, which if you can have 15 guys get you over 40 points, it's pretty good. Hell yeah. Um, And and half of them are defensemen right now. So you've you've got a really strong start, and I don't think with the combination that they've gotten net, you should really be expecting any of this to go away. Uh, so, you know, they, they've got a good thing going. They got a young coach, a new coach who again, with the pandemic restrictions has, has really been forced to do a lot of the stuff on the ice and it's working. So, um, team that we'll keep an eye on here that I think the rest of the way, because of the roster that they've gotten, the way that they're playing is Minnesota. And they, they might be the team to beat now in the I'd central because, because Colorado again with McKinnon now looking at, you know, I think three weeks on the shelf. And with them fighting to figure things out, with the defections of Saad and Grubauer and still trying to get everybody comfortable playing together, and McCar's missed time, Um, Colorado's in a rough spot, and they need to get healthy. And I, I don't think anybody's worried about them, but you get to a point here, we're getting into the middle of November, where things have to start looking better. And they've got too many guys missing to really flip the script because it's the expensive guys that are supposed to carry the mail that are hurting and you look at teams like St. Louis and Minnesota taking advantage of that, we've said that you can't uh, you can't win the division in the first month, but you can lose it. I, I would say that by Thanksgiving in the United States, Arizona will be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, at the rate they're going with one win in six weeks. Oh, poor Arizona. Uh, they are a hot mess. Uh, but, hey, at least they brought back the Kachina jerseys. Something to look at. But, no, I, I – if you're a team that a lot of people have questions about, the way you answer those questions is with your play on the ice. And Minnesota had a lot of questions coming into the season. They've answered them emphatically, and they're playing a really fun brand of hockey. And the guys in the room, again, I, I chatted with Jared Spurgeon for about 40 minutes last week, and he's really energized by what they've got going on, and he should be because he's leading a really good team that right now is sitting in first place. So... Uh, flowers in the general direction of the, the state of hockey and the Minnesota Wild uh, for what they've been able to put together because I, I think that they're going to be a really dangerous team in the Western Conference this year.
0: Yeah, look, and uh, it's a great town. Uh, last time I was in Mini was for the draft when they had it there um, many, many moons ago, but it's a great hockey town. And shame on me, I think their their sweaters are the most, two of them, you know, the home and road, sweat is for the while they're just they're absolutely gorgeous and i have to get one of them for myself
2: see i'm not i'm not sold on the eddie bauer alternates as i like to call them (laughs)
0: uh
2: but uh but no look minnesota fans deserve a winning product and i will never understand how they let the north stars leave between them leaving and the cleveland browns leaving in the nfl two fan bases that deserve a hell of a lot better than what they've been given historically and, uh, it looks like the Minnesota wild are giving them something to be excited about. And, and they got the Gophers and they got Duluth. There's a lot of, a lot of good hockey being played up there in Minnesota right now and the wild are leading the way professionally. So good on them. We'll see if Caprasoff can live up to that contract. Cause it's a lot to live up to.
0: And my old friend, Mr. Zuccarella, Rage miss him, baby. Miss. Him. Good to see him having some success out there with many, and I hope they get a long run and, uh, Love to see two them. C's
2: two L's, remember. Yes. Two Don't C's two that. L's. Don't
1: forget
0: that. All right, Tab, what's going on? When is the uh the is the with Spurgeon out?
2: No, it's uh it's actually gonna be in the upcoming article uh, in the physical magazine. Awesome. The next okay. issue, which should hit stands around North America here, I believe, in December. So
0: And any book uh, signings this week?
2: I uh, had had one last night. Next week I've got four. Woo! So, uh, you know, got to gotta put some bread on the table and pay for whatever stupid habits my kids want to have in 2022. <laughs> so if you have a chance, uh, go on the Amazon, go to reedypress.com, buy the book, say hi. Uh, and if you want a signed copy, hit me up on the Twitters. Be happy to find a way to get you an autographed copy.
0: It's a beautiful book, man. Good stuff. As always from you, Mr. Tab thank thanks so much, Tab, as always, for hanging with me here on THS. Have a super weekend, stay warm, and uh, I'll catch you on the flip side, pal.
2: It's bonfire weather in Chicago, can't wait. Light them up! (laughs) And THS rolls out!
0: Well, all right, it's time to head out to the west coast, the left coast, the best coast. It all depends on where you're at. Either way, it's time to bring back our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, currently residing in the state of California, but I believe that's going to change soon. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, buddy. Happy Thursday to you. Yes, Yes, a very special Thursday. Happy Veterans Day to everybody who Uh serves and has served.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you to all the vets that have served, and happy Veterans Day to all those out there still serving and who have served.
0: Allowing us to do this quirky hockey stuff we do every week <laughs> absolutely free and easy so buddy man there's um yeah. there's lots to get into today with you pal as far as uh you know the western conference and uh your new jersey devils man putting up a seventh spot against the panthers
3: come on i mean even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again but <laughs> yeah that was that was fun to see uh uh, yeah, an outburst like that and the guys who contributed, it was it was good. Again, especially against a team of that quality, just good stuff. But like I told you, it was all because the Rangers softened them up.
0: Softened them up, man. Jeez, they <laughs> gave up 42 shots on goals. she's going to be done here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> You'll see a white flag going up behind the net uh, That's there. a whole different story. My Lord. So, no um, I mean, the other night, you know, just looking at the, uh, the, the scoring sheet here in terms of uh, the guys putting the puck in the net, you know, uh, johnson and, and how do you say his name? Hishar Hishar. What's what? How do you say that, Steve? Hishar he sure. Hishar. He sure, thank he sure. you very much, Nico Hishar. Sure. Yeah, Nico Hishar. Sure. Uh, johnson got a pair. Our pal Suban popped one in, man. Yeah. A rare goal from the big guy. Um, and uh, you know, then it was spread out. Smith and Vessi and Zaka there too. Do you say Zaka? Or they say Zaka. Well, how do we pronounce his name, Steve? I, I say Pavel Zaka. I oh. mean. You hear these guys'
3: names pronounced so many different ways. I just go with what I hear from the, the play-by-play guys, the, the local guys, and just kind of go with that.
0: Yeah, that's but, nice. uh, I should do more of that, too. I guess I should tune in a little more. <laughs> I
3: I think the biggest difference in that game, and something that Devils really wanted to focus on, was getting more shots from the blue line. I think that was coming into this year. They really wanted to put more pressure from the back end, and you know, bringing in a guy like Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton, obviously, and still got P.K. Subban, and, and we saw what Ty Smith did in his rookie season, and and we kind of got a little bit of that in that game. And I think they just kind of simplified things. They took shots from the point. The Heischer goal was a tip in, in front, from the shot from the point. Uh, Ty Smith threw the puck at the net. It hit a few things and went in. And, and of course, uh, PK, we know what he can do. And he didn't try to, uh, you know, do the the twig snapping shots. He just basically put a, a nice amount of his velocity on it again and found it way, its way into the net. So, uh, it was a very simplified game plan for the devils. They got a couple power play goals, and things kind of just went right for them and uh caught the cats in a bad night uh Spencer Knight on the second night of a back to back where he started both games so uh, it was kind of lightning in a bottle for them and a really nice win it sets them up going into a you know a pretty tough schedule uh, stretch of the schedule so it was it was fun to watch and, and I am going to be honest when when they you know in that first couple minutes of the second period when the cats came out scored two real quick goals and got up three two i 'm like uh it's going to be a long night, but New Jersey hung in there, responded quickly. And I'm, you know, Andreas Johnson was just the guy that I, I thought would really have a nice bounce back year. And he's leading the devils in scoring and he's scoring big time goals. He's the plus minus leader. He's all over the place. His chances for are through the roof and just uh, really happy for that guy. He's fitting in well with the devils and it's paying off.
0: Yeah. And Lindy is um, spreading out the ice time, man. I mean, everybody's up yeah. over uh 10, 12 minutes here. Uh, as yeah. far as him getting everybody involved. Uh, Blackwood getting the Nets too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's nice. I mean, He's, look again, you're going back, uh, against the Islanders, uh, this evening too, which will be another great test. But, um, Hey, look, you, you take the good with all the bad and, and, but, you yeah. know, Lindy making this his team and the injuries use out and Hamlin coming back. So, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know. to <laughs> cut you off there. Go ahead. What you were going to say. Well, I think the,
3: the balanced ice time is a product of how, just how young this team is. You know, we had a couple of, you know, Tyce Thompson got into the lineup the other day and uh, you saw them bring up, uh, you know, Holtz is in the lineup. He's playing top six, six minutes. And I think he's just trying to spread things out, not, not, you know, rely too much on, on different people and kind of take pressures off some of these other guys that, you know, Nico he sure has a lot of pressure on him to produce as a captain being so young without Jack out. And I, I think Lindy is just, like you said, he's taken this team and made it his own and he's, he's balancing out the ice time and he's, he's rolling the four lines and it's just, it's, it's working out right now when they're kind of treading water until these guys get back, Jack and, and Dougie and, and, you know, Miles Woods out long-term that's going to hurt, but we got Mackenzie Blackwood back and he's looked really solid in the first couple starts since, since the injury and the, the whole uh, vaccination thing, but he is, he's looking pretty solid. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, the team team is fun to watch right now and it's, it's all about taking these these small victories and, and just a young team growing as a group, and, and that's all we can ask for.
0: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Hey, look, you, you, like I said, you just take the positives with, uh, especially in, uh, developing a young team here and the transition over, and obviously the last two seasons have been kind of tough, you know, just in, with uh, yep. you know, the COVID the pandemic and everything else. And So, um, look, I think the devil's going to be all right. We've talked about it uh, all season long last year about, you know, especially New York hockey here, the tri-state area, mm-hmm. the devil's. Uh, the islands and rangers uh the future here was going to be pretty good at least for the next you know three to five years with all the talent on all three teams then uh you get to see that uh with the islanders here and, and man they were just um they're in a good spot here too as well and the new building opening up here in a couple of weeks huge anticipation here on the island uh you know, for this team and, and and all the good stuff that's going on. You know, Steve. I uh, you know I, I lean on you for the West Coast here a little bit, but I just want you to kind of maybe uh, your take here on the Metro and how kind of things have been developing here. Obviously, Carolina with the ten and one record here, uh, Rangers in there and seven and three. Shesterkin, obviously a huge uh, part of their their um their, the winning side of things here, and I think you know personally here as a Rangers fan, I think they're definitely skating on thin ice. Terrible pun here, but. Um, they've got to get him some help, or they're going to burn him out. <laughs> Georgiev hasn't looked too good as far as stepping in on uh, the backup role. You know, the Caps are always going to be there with the OV. Columbus is uh, a lot of fun there as far as playing for the new coach. Uh, Philly had a All loss right. there against Toronto. We talked about the Devils, the Islanders here in, in uh, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously going through some COVID stuff and getting Sid back and everything else. But um, real quick take at the, maybe the top three or four there uh, in the Metro uh i mean when you look at the rest of the league
3: I and mean, you look at the metro division it's hard to believe that you have that many you know solid teams in one division obviously right now they're the best division in hockey um you know rangers up there in the second spot but they are the only team in the division with a minus goal differential and they're sitting in second place so that speaks to uh just you know their scoring ability but you said they got to get shisterkin some help there but Man, when you look at the fast start, remember everyone is writing off Pittsburgh. Everyone is writing off Washington. Columbus was going to be no good, and here they are. They're you know, uh, obviously Pittsburgh's at the bottom of the division, but they're still getting points. I mean, they're still within striking distance of the third spot. They're only four points out of the, that spot. But uh, just really competitive division. Um, a lot of great hockey being played. Uh, um, it's, I mean, it's just going to be fun to watch how it kind of transitions throughout the season if it's going to maintain this kind of pace, but. Uh, boy I w- if you would have said that this division would be this competitive um, where everyone is is within striking distance of each other, I would have said that uh, that would be tough you know with the, you know with the devils and uh, older teams in there but man, uh, Carolina is a juggernaut and uh, they're obviously they're the ones to beat in the division they're just so fun to watch uh, just a, a really really talented group Um and that what, what Ovi is doing in Washington right now, I mean, this is like historic stuff. So mm-hmm. people should get it, you know, pay attention to him, watch him anytime you can. He's, he's definitely going to break Gretzky's goal scoring record. And to be doing it at the age he is 36, I mean, gosh. I'm, I'm older than Ovi, and, and I don't know how he's doing it. Um, <laughs> I, at 36, I couldn't do what he does, but, man, uh, just a lot of good stuff coming out of the division, a lot of fun. It just stinks that our teams are in that division because it's going to be a lot harder for them to uh, keep pace, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, the Metro is no doubt uh, not disappointing as far as um, it being one of the toughest in the league. There's no doubt about it. So let's switch over to the Western Conference here, and, and obviously um, maybe we'll, we'll finish up with the Avalanche and stuff in terms of how they're doing, mm-hmm. but um, – You know, the Kings and the Ducks uh, both playing very well, man. The Kings are probably going to look at 6th, 7th in a row tonight, I think, against Ottawa Mm -hmm. uh, on the road. Uh, Get your take here on the Kings and what's turned things around for them. And then obviously um, the unfortunate news here with Bob Murray having to step down um, with that organization as well, too, off the ice.
3: Well, I mean, we just talked about how competitive and how close the Metro is. Look at the Pacific and and just where everyone – I mean, the the hot start that Edmonton's had, and they're, what, only, what, three or four points ahead of of Vegas, who's sitting in, you know, sixth place. So, um, I mean, just some really good hockey being played. The Ducks have been really impressive. Uh, The Kings, you know, after that slow start, put together six straight wins to – you know, pull themselves back together and, and everyone here has got a, a winning record. The top 16 at least have a winning record. Um, Anaheim, what Troy Terry is doing. I mean, people have been trying to write this guy off for since he came into the league, you know, it's just not playing well enough. He just doesn't have it to make it in the NHL and he's got a 12 game point streak. He leads the team in scoring. He's got, you know, he's just playing such good hockey <laughs> scoring huge goals. Um, I mean, I didn't expect to see the ducks playing this well. I mean, they, they beat the snot of the devils the other night or a few, mm-hmm. a few games ago. And they're just, they're just playing really solid hockey. It's good to see Ryan gets Um, you know, playing with a team that's at least for now has a winning record. Making them look young, King, buddy. <laughs> He is I, absolutely. Uh, and the, the Kings, the Kings are another fun team, man. They just, they're just one of those teams that, that will, will grind you down. I mean, they, they'll, they're, they're a fast attacking team, but they've got those, those, those bruisers that will, 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 uh, take advantage of you and uh, get a little, they'll score those dirty goals. And they've, they've, they're just another fun team to watch. And then San Jose. I mean, think of the things San Jose has gone through with Evander Kane and uh, all sorts of things, the COVID thing, and they're still hanging in there. They're still, uh, you know, 7-4-1. and one. Uh, Just good stuff. And then, of course, you got Calgary and Edmonton at the top, which we kind of thought those two would be there. And, th- again, that just makes for – a—any anytime you see Alberta teams playing each other, it's must-watch TV. And, and having them two both at the top of the division makes it that much more exciting.
0: Yeah, and here I was the last, you know, the first three weeks of this show saying how weak this division uh, was. <laughs> and now it's, uh, there's a lot of fun hockey going on uh, uh, there. Hey. What do you think has turned things around here for the Kings? And then also, I want to get your thoughts on the effects of uh, Bob Murray uh, stepping down here in Anaheim. Um,
3: I think the Kings, we, we thought they were going to be good coming into the season, or at least improved. Um, I think they were relying too much on some of the older guys for for scoring in the beginning. Um, they've kind of um, been able to pull things. They've, they, you know, uh, Dino's kind of fitting in and, and they're kind of spreading out the scoring a little bit, um, getting contributions from all sorts of different guys. Brendan Lemieux, um, that guy is feisty. Um, he's just an agitator out there, draws penalties, um, just, a, you know, up and down the lineup. I mean, Alex, is he, is he getting a lot of
0: ice time he, there? Steve, sorry to cut you off, but, you know, obviously familiar with him here playing with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really get much ice time here for, for Quinn when he was, uh, you know, on the, on the Ranger squad here. But how, what, he, kind of, how's, what's, what kind of looks is he getting there? Uh, he doesn't play a whole lot,
3: but when he's on the ice, he's very noticeable. He's, he's out there and he's just an agitator. I think he, he plays 10, 11 minutes a game, but he's very noticeable. With the hits and the chirping, and even when he's on the bench, he's he's uh, affecting the game because those chirping from the bench are always the camera always seems to panned on and did it a lot um, in the Devils game. Uh, I saw it a lot when they you know when he first came over against the Ducks, and he just seems to have that kind of uh, you know agitator type type thing. He gets in guys' heads, draws penalties, so. I, um, He's just a a really feisty hockey player, and I think a really important hockey player, especially for this young Kings team. Um, And it doesn't matter the ice time. It just seems like he's always making an impact on it uh, one way or the other. But uh, L.A. is really fun, really fast, really good transition team. And and, uh, now they're starting to get the puck in the net and, and keep the puck out of their own net. And that's why you're seeing them string some wins together. Just a fun team to watch.
0: And what's going on in the nets here for the Kings? (laughs)
3: well it's cal peterson one night and and uh cal peterson gets the majority of uh the ice time and uh but you still have uh the old uh the old dog backing him up and he's getting you know uh,
0: quick he's got he's the old dog now (laughs) how many how many years is he with the kings and and where's his contract at
3: yeah i don't know his contract status, and and actually it's it's been a 50 50 split i had no idea i had to look that up just to make sure just but uh (laughs) But you know, Cal Peterson is is obviously the future. Um and he's played really well, big kid, but uh looks like Jonathan Quick's having a pretty good season. I, I don't know his contract. A well, fifteenth season with the Kings. Keep that in mind. Fifteenth season. He's thirty five wow. years old. I still think of him as like twenty something. Exactly. He's uh, gotta yeah, he's gotta yeah, got be coming into the, the later um of his contract. I know he's uh he's you know, there there was talk of buying him out the last year or two, and so um yeah. That's, that's interesting. looks like um, yeah, 2005 he was drafted. Wow. No. What were you doing in 2005, Steve? <laughs> I can't remember what uh, I was doing. <laughs> I can't remember what I was doing in 2015, so I don't know how to figure that out. But, man, yeah, just look – I think every time I look at Jonathan Quick's stats and I look at his age, I'm shocked at how old he is. Um, wow.
0: He's still doing it. But man. I
3: think – I think that's, that's been one of the things too, I guess with the, with a team that can, and, and you're seeing that in the NHL up and down the NHL. If you have two go- goalies, you can go back and forth. That will give you a solid outing. You're going to have more success than, than not. And I, I guess the Kings have, again, I hate to use this twice in this little segment, but catching lightning in a bottle um, with these two guys playing this well right now. That's uh, all
0: good stuff. And and again, switching back over to Anna, I'm here. Uh, Ducks, uh, GM there, Bob Murray uh, resigning uh, with the office issues. Um, you know he's been a uh, gm of the ducks since 2008 so um, yeah. i mean obviously you're a uh, ticket holder you've got very involved with the ducks yep. over these over his tenure and stuff so just a a quick uh, take on, on on what's going on there and, and how the ducks will do uh without him at the helm
3: this <sighs> is this is a tough one because they you know we always knew that murray was a fiery guy um kind of a no-nonsense guy old school hockey guy uh some of the stories and stuff that are coming out are kind of ugly and then you hear that he's he's checking him in self to you know checking himself to get some help and um good for him I'm glad he's, he's able to do that and hopefully he gets the help he needs but in a way this is a blessing in disguise for the for the Ducks because the Ducks even though they're having some success now they've been a rather stagnant organization over the last several years with Doug, uh, with uh, Murray at the helm. They haven't made a whole lot of moves. They've been pretty much trying to rely on players they drafted to, to develop. And some of the deals that he has made have been a little questionable at best. Um, I think getting some, some new blood at the top for the ducks could, is really going to be beneficial for them. And something that I think is going to help speed up the, their, their turnaround back to uh, you know being a competitive hockey team. Um, so while it, it's kind of sad to see, you know, Murray's tenure end this way. I think for the Ducks, it's something that um, will end up benefiting them in the long term. So um, I just hope Murray is able to get the help he needs and, and, you know, go on from there.
0: Good stuff, Steve. All right, um, you're covering the um, avalanche here for Hockey Buzz, so we always got to check in on the Avs here, um, two and two over the last four since we spoke last <laughs> week. Um, split with CBJ there, uh, an overtime loss there in the mix And uh, four days off um, before, you know, playing Vancouver tonight Uh, on the news that McKinnon's out for three weeks. So what's the story here? Four, five, and one, I believe, here for the season so far. I mean, I guess, Steve, in general here, I mean, we talk early in the season still, 12 games, 13 games for teams here going into this week. And then, you know, it goes over here and you, you see what's going on in St. Louis. Minnesota playing very well here as far as this um yep. central uh central division here two Chicago coaching change played good the last couple of games so just wh- what's where's where's the um I guess what's what's going on in Colorado land here as far as where they're th- <laughs> where they're thinking here in, in terms of you know the a lot, a lot of the change here with Grubauer and everything else. Again it's it's early but I, I don't know. I just give us give us your feel, your vibes here on this team uh, going into tonight's game against the Canucks, who are also, you know, it's another team here that's going to be desperate for a win. They got they need to turn things around. Too. Sure.
3: Well, I mean, think about how bad the Chicago Blackhawks started this season, and Colorado only has one more win than them. So that mm. that kind of gives you. You know they 've played less games, but just think of it in that terms, you can kind of see why people are starting to panic a little bit or get at least get nervous when it comes to the ads. I think the biggest problem with them and if, if you look at the metrics they 're near the bottom of the league and, and um, everything shooting percentage, power play uh, penalty kill everything they' they 're sitting at the bottom, but their biggest issue has been injuries. I mean they cannot seem to get healthy just when they get guys back, more guys leave McCarr get, comes back he gets injured. They get uh, guys like Devon Taves back. They get uh, Barakowski back. They, you know, and then now you've got McKinnon out. Um, so they just can't seem to get any consistency or get their full lineup on the ice at, uh, at one time. So you're seeing um, you're, you're kind of seeing that play play into it. And also, they're uncharacteristically they're going through these long stretches of like mental lapses. That collapse the other day against Columbus, you know, I called it their worst loss of the season because with seven minutes to go in the game. They're up two to one. They desperately want to get these two points. They end up giving up three goals in the uh, last five minutes of the game and they lose in regulation, don't even get a point. Um, and then to, to make matters worse, McKinnon, we find out after the game that McKinnon's injured and is out, out for three weeks. So, um, you know, Darcy Kemper has been, uh, he led in a really soft, that second goal to tie it for Columbus tonight. was really soft. He was out of position um, and that, that really hurt him. You see, you saw Colorado kind of, uh, not that they're not mentally tough, but right now they're mentally fragile. And I think they're, um, when, when something like that happens, a goal goes in, the, the wheels just kind of fall off. So, um, you know, obviously there's no panic in Colorado as far as the team goes. But, you know, the comments that they made after that last game were, were a little, um, you know, eyebrow raising, you know, the, the, way, the way the players were talking about that game. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, they're in a very light part of their schedule we talked about how many few games they're playing. So it's important that they, you know, when they are on the ice, that they get some points, they're going to be tonight's lineup is going to be as healthy as they've been minus McKinnon. Cause they're getting um, uh, Gerard and, and McCarr and Barikovsky and Taves and all these guys are, are going to be back in the lineup. Uh, Alex Newhook's going to be uh, got called up from Colorado. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond tonight and, uh, you know, try to grab two points. But again, like you said, they're playing a desperate Vancouver team and, and if, you know, I feel like if if one or two things doesn't go Colorado's way, um, we could see an uh, another another uh, disappointing end.
0: Yeah, to the, game. And the, so. the schedule here over the, you know. So you look at the three weeks here with with McKinnon being out. They got only two games this uh, this week: Vancouver home tonight, and in San Jose home. Then they're going to have three days off, and then Vancouver again on the road in Seattle, uh, heading out to the West Coast. And then it starts picking up for them. They got four games um, in the in the. I guess that'll be the third week when McKinnon may or may not be coming back. And then they head out here to um, the East Coast. They'll be coming into the New York area there the first two weeks of December. Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and then Philly, New York, and, and uh, the Rangers in Detroit. Uh, and hopefully they can stay healthy, and then hopefully McKinnon can jump them. And I guess you know it's going to be um, you know it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games before they get into you know the northern uh, northeast Canadian area and and down here in uh, you know on the East Coast here in New York. Um, where those, those games and those points could be huge because just talking about, you know, the Metro teams yeah. here and, and the Atlantic, you know, Toronto's not going to be easy. They might have a good shot there with Montreal and Ottawa. Um, but, man, they, this is a time for them to kind of hopefully shine here a little bit, put some puck uh, points in their pockets before McKinnon comes back.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the key right now is trying to, to bank some of these points and uh, try to get at least start feeling good about themselves and start um, – you know, fixing some of the areas of their games that are really sagged. Um, you know, they started this slow last season. I mean, they were, I think they were five, five and one at start of last season. And we saw how that went for them. So obviously there's no, there's no panic in them, but it's just the way that they've been losing, uh, is a little concerning. So it'll be, it'll be, um, you know, I'll definitely be paying close attention to how they respond over these next few games, especially without McKinnon. And you know, we want to start say, seeing some of the big guys put the puck in the net. I think their leading scorer is Nazem Qadri. Um yeah. He's tied with McKinnon and and Landeskog, but you know, when you got kadri at the top there, and you got all those other big names um, on the team, you know, it, it's uh, it's a little head scratching. But there have been bright spots. You know, Bowen Byram is a stud. I mean, the guy is is so fun to watch. It's like, I mean. We know how good Carol McCarr is. Now you got two of them out there. And uh, if you're if you're the opposing team and you got McCarr, McCarr one shift and you got Byron on the back end and the other shift, um, they're coming at you at all angles. Those guys are just so fun to watch. They're it's like having another uh, you know forward um, who plays excellent defense uh, out on the ice. And we, we know that that this team uh, can score with the best of them. So once they these things start to come together and they get healthy and um, things start to click and we know that they will this will be a deadly team or a dangerous team so uh just they gotta bide their time and hopefully it starts to kind of um piece things together
0: for themselves yeah here we go right the two-week lead up to uh thanksgiving weekend everybody hitting the 18 game mark here and um you know and this is when things um you know look it's fun You, you know that first month october the rust off, yeah. you know, maybe the Avs can look at it this way. Hey, look, if they stay in the pack here and if all these injuries and everything else, this is the best time for the, it to happen. Um, again, bang the points here and see what happens, uh, you know, through the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, weekend and then, again, mm-hmm. before they get uh, out here uh, onto the Northeast and hopefully they'll be in uh, good stuff there. Steve, before I let you go. Yep. Um, Yeah. The, uh, delayed here, obviously with the pandemic and COVID here for the uh current class of the hockey hall of fame inductees, I'm just going to throw the names out here. You pick one or two that you want to talk about here real quick before we say goodbye. Lanny McDonald, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Lowe, Marion Hosa, Doug Wilson. And then, uh, obviously Ken Holland there, uh, too, as far as, um, you know, the front office and stuff too. So take it away. Obviously guys that, uh, we all grew up, uh, watching and playing over the years. And, uh, let me know uh, yeah. maybe one or two guys that really stand out for you that you wanted me to maybe tell you a few words about. I mean, the two that
3: I, I mean, Marion Hossa and Jerome McGinley, just because like you said, I grew up, you know, watching these guys. And, um, I saw a lot of them. I mean, Hossa, he was a big part of that Ottawa team in, in 2003 when the, the devils played them in the Eastern conference. Final. he was, you know, I, I know he's had success other places, but I always think of him as a Senator and he just was one of those, those guys that was just a, a, a star in the league. And, um, just a guy that you, you were an on every time you saw him on the ice, a big guy could score uh, was fast. he's just a, a real thrill to watch. And then I can't really say enough about Jerome McGginla what he meant to uh, the sport of hockey and, and the, all the things he did in, in uh, Calgary all those 50 goal seasons, uh, him on the power play he come, you know he got around towards the end of his career too, but he was just a guy that just had that ability to score uh, consummate professional, great leader, um, well deserving and, um, you know, it's, um, I'm really happy for these guys getting in. And, you know, when I was younger, seeing a guy like even Kevin Lowe, um, he, he was a guy that, uh, always stood out on the ice. And then now we know him for more for his like front office stuff. Uh, at least the generation now does, but, um, a really good class, really happy for these guys. Um, and again, just another sign that I'm getting old because now all and a are <laughs> going to the of thing. So
0: <laughs> it is brutal, man. Uh, you know, all you young <laughs> Pats out there, you know, seeing these guys go to Hall of Fame, it's just a mark on, uh, you know, I, you know me, you and and Tab and and uh, Joey here, you know, and even Costa mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you know, the, the, when we were young pups, these are these are the guys who were making the heyday and running around. Now seeing them getting inducted the Hall of Fame is just yep. kind of mind blowing, man. It's a, it's a, it's a trip,
3: right? It, it really is, and um, man, the, just the quality of players. Of- that we were able to grow up watching. I mean, you, you, whenever one, you, you talk about the heydays of, of hockey and all the different decades and what they, they meant, the nineties and early two thousands were really like uh, just a great, um, a great time to be a hockey fan. And a lot of great players came out of it. And uh, you know, I just I like seeing these guys getting recognized and um, just uh, you, know, you know, it's always fun when you, you when the hockey when the Hall of Fame classes, whether it's baseball, football, whatever, and you kind of think back of kind of makes you feel like a kid again when you you think of all the, the different things that you've seen them do and accomplish and, and to see some of the things that, that um, you remember growing up, and, and now here it is. These guys are, are being honored for it. So it's just uh, just fun stuff, and, again, congratulations to this
0: class. Yeah, and those are good memories for us too because those were back on our squads, Devils and the Rangers. We're, in the Stanley <laughs> we're good.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Steve, you're the best <laughs> as always. Have a super weekend. Thanks so much for your time here on THS as always. Stay good. Stay right. cool. We'll do this again next week, buddy.
3: All right, man. Take care. Bye. Take care.
0: Steve Palumbo, everybody, right here on THS. And that's a wrap for this week's THS. Once again, big thanks to Joe, Tab, and Steve. And hang in there, folks. Possibly be back with us sooner than you think. All right. Hab's got a big game here tonight, too. Lots of hockey on schedule in the NHL. So, as always, I want to thank Joe, Teb, and Steve, as always here at THS. I want to thank all you guys out there for subscribing, listening. We appreciate your audience. Again, follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show. And uh, you can follow all our personal accounts there, mostly on the Twitter. That's where we hang out. Check us out there. Say hi. And, as always, um, we want to thank our veterans, too. Once again, we can't um, – say it enough on this Veterans Day version of that hockey show here. So to all of you out there, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank a veteran. You can see him. Be grateful for the free life that you have here, especially in the States, here in North America, and pretty much the whole world when you think about it. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week right back here on that hockey show. Stay safe, stay healthy and keep your head up.